Are you from Cape? You're, you live in Cape, right? Are you from down there? Um, so I was bo- I was born in Carbondale, Illinois. Okay. What um, took you down there? Um, so I spent like the first little bit of my life in Illinois. Um, so I was born in Carbondale, Illinois, and my mom married a guy that lived over there and. So I stayed over there, I want to say, until fifth, sixth grade, somewhere around there. And then when my mom got a divorce, she moved to Cape. Mm. And so, you know, we moved over there. Okay, how long ago was that? Um, say fifth, sixth grade, so I'm 29. Okay, so you've been on there for a minute. Yeah, I've been there for a while. So it's pretty much like, yeah, like my hometown. Yeah, that's home. Like I grew up there pretty much. I went oh. to high school there and everything. Okay, so. okay. Well, I was wondering because I know you used to train at Arnold a little bit, right? At Arnold BJJ with Kirk? Yeah, man. Uh, I love Kirk. Uh, so, Kirk's you know. a shithead, bro. Don't <laughs> say that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, Kirk's awesome. He's, uh, he's actually cornered me a few fights and uh, – so how that came about, I know you know uh, Aaron Slosher, mm-hmm. Derek Albright. Oh, was, was Aaron uh, what got you up there? Yeah, and so Derek. Aaron was driving up there all the time, and um, he was on me about, you know, you know, I needed to get up there because uh, Aaron and Derek were my main training partners for mm-hmm. years. Um, so when he started training at Kirk's for a while, you know, he was on me to get up there. And once I got up there, you know, I loved it, so... Got it. Um, Got it. I think Kirk and Derek are not Kirk and Derek, but Aaron and Derek are up here now, right? Yeah, yeah, they're at St. Charles. Yeah. So, um, like the one soldier down there. Out of those yeah, they, now, yeah, they kind of <laughs> left me, but uh, you know, they, you know, they're just doing what's best for them. Uh, yeah. If I could, you know, come up here, I probably would. Um, and I'm happy for them for you know pursuing their dreams and. Yeah, you've been training you know, with Cody. To a better gym. You've been training with Cody, right? Yeah, I trained with Cody for years too. Um, I w- uh, went to the Gracie School there for four or five years. Um, got my blue belt there, and uh, I still go over there and train a lot. What do you train mostly? Um, so right now I'm training at uh, Peak Performance. Okay. Um, D Ray Ivy, he's. Uh, a black belt in Taekwondo. Um, he is an affiliate with uh, Bang Muay Thai. Mm, okay. So he um, he goes up there and gets training under him, and then also has like programming and stuff like that through him. Oh, cool. So that's kind of what I do for my striking, and then my uh, for my jujitsu, I train at Carpe Momentum uh, School of Jitsu in Cape. Okay. Cool. 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 Do you prefer which one? Do you prefer? Do you have a preference? Are you more uh, a grappler or do you like man, I go back and forth. Um I, I love it all. I love I love it both. At times much. it's kinda like, you know, for a while I'll get really into jujitsu and my jujitsu will start to elevate and then it's like, Oh, I need to catch up my striking mm. and then I'll get really into striking and I feel like I'll you know, get up there and I'm like, yeah. Oh, I need to catch up my jujitsu so Yeah. I'm always doing it all but there's so many things to train, bro. Yeah, that's that's what's the that's what's crazy about MMA. Yeah, yeah, it's like you you'll focus on one thing and you'll feel like that you're losing ground on the other thing or you know, it's I mean, there's just 
there's almost just too much to do, bro. I mean, you start focusing on your wrestling, and then maybe you you start slacking your jujitsu because you feel like you're doing more wrestling, or you know, you start focusing on your striking, and then maybe your strength and conditioning will give, or you know, just just there's always something that's giving. There's yeah. only so many hours in the day. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's uh kind of hard to. Like you said, keep up and you can kind of try to schedule it out. Yeah. Um, like, oh, I'm going to do two days of this, two days of this. Or, you know, you can kind of try to schedule it out. But, you know, you go harder in some sessions, too. So mm-hmm. if you go really hard in your striking session tomorrow when you have your jiu-jitsu session, you might be kind of sore. Yeah. Yeah. You can't go as hard that day. Yeah. Yeah, man. There's a lot of structure, man. It helps to have, a, like, a, a a good group of guys around you to kind of help you do all that. It's tough. Mm-hmm. It's a tough fucking sport. What got you into MMA? <laughs> I kind of just fell into it, honestly. Um, so I, I wasn't like, so let's, let's just start here. When I was 15, um, I got a girl pregnant. And so I had, I was 15 when I got the girl pregnant, 16 when my daughter was born. Okay. Um, so I was already not, um, you know, taking school seriously and things like that. Yeah. Running around with the wrong people. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just trying to be a grown up fast. Right. Just, I don't know, trying to fit in or something, I guess. So, mm. um, Were you just kind of allowed to just like run free and do whatever you wanted? Yeah. So uh, uh, once I told you we moved to Cape and once I was in Cape, I was in a single parent household. It was just my mother. Yeah. She worked a lot. So um, we kind of just did our own thing. You had all free time. Yeah. Yeah. And even if she, even if my mom kind of did get on us, you know, I wasn't the best kid. So I just kind of was like, yeah, whatever. Just brush it off. Yeah. It's tough, man. It's tough for, especially when you're like a young man and you're growing up in the world and I'm so my son is 13 is about to be 14 mm-hmm. and as you know you have a 13 year old right like mm-hmm. teenagers are fucking tough dude and so like he's getting into this phase in life where it's like you know he wants his independence he wants to kind of come into his own he's trying to figure out who he is and his place in this world so he's really gravitating towards his friends and his social quote unquote social life I'm like bitch I'll send you to school to get a social life <laughs> fuck out of here <laughs> right right yeah so I, so that had to be tough probably for your mom i mean shit do kids i what i'm realizing kids are relentless with what they want like the amount of energy that they have to push and for what they want which in in the case of you know when you're growing up it's like you want freedom and you want you know independence like that is an inevitable that is going to come so you just push and push and push so your will to push for that is is far greater than like mine, for example, as a parent. It's it's like man, it's exhausting to try to like keep these kids just kind of like on, on the the narrow that you want to keep them on because mm-hmm. the will to just break free and do whatever you want is so strong. So I can only imagine what it's like for any single parent to try to you know keep the reins on their fucking kid when you're only there at you only have so much time to actually be there, and then you're a mom raising a man like right. good luck, mm-hmm. bro. And yeah, and so seeing that and like going through that, um, it's probably why I'm like so into being a father, um, mm-hmm. because you know I knew at the time I didn't really, I wasn't like the kid that was like, oh, my father's not here, like and like using it to, you know, mess around or fuck off or anything like that. I, um, I did. At the time, I really didn't think I cared, you know. Yeah, well, so what's going through your mind when you find out, like, you're about to have a kid? 
at, uh, at 16 years dude, old. It was, it was crazy. Were you 15 when you found out or 16? I want to say I was 15 when I found out. Um, and it was just crazy. And then I was already, like, I felt like the only reason I was in school was because, you know, I love sports. I played, you know, school, sports all year round. Um, and then so, you know, with that pressure of, you know, when I had a kid come in and, like, you know, I wasn't really doing homework, you know, I wasn't focused on anything. And so once I uh, once I didn't make grades and I couldn't play sports, then I was really just like, you know, I don't really care about this. Yeah, why even be here anymore? Hey, just want to take a second and say thank you to our show sponsors. Big thank you goes out to Strange Donuts. If you were in the St. Louis area, you got to check them out. They have four locations. They're in Creevecourt, Maplewood, Kirkwood, and just across the river in Edwardsville, Illinois. They are slinging dones every day of the week, and it doesn't matter when you go in. You're going to be happy that you did. Every weekend, they do some sort of creative creation. You can never go wrong with it. Oh, my goodness. They have vegan options. They have options for the kid. They have options for the dog. They got options for your mom. It doesn't matter. They got options for everybody. Let them know that we sent you. You get nothing for doing so, but you will get some delicious donuts. So go check them out today. Strange Donuts. We are also brought to you by Imposed Will. Imposed Will is my company, and day by day we are building our community. I hope that you guys will come and join us. We have athletic apparel and gear. We just dropped our free flow shorts, the best training shorts on the market. We just dropped our base gi. Go check that out. We're taking care of our jujitsu community for sure, but anyone who is just athletic and moving and grooving, who's all about the mindset, who wants to be a part of a community of ass kickers, come join us. Come check us out. Imposedwill.com. So knowing I had my daughter um, coming on the way, I decided to drop out and get my GED and, you know, start working and start trying to provide. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, uh, how, so you asked me how I, you know, got into fighting. It was kind of just like, you know, like I said, I was around the wrong crowd. I was in a lot of street fights and things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I had started training with this guy. Just this, uh, so it was my brother, his uh, girlfriend. It was her older brother. And I think he was just, you know, like a fight fan. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, my brother had started training with him a little bit. They were just messing around on jujitsu and stuff. And um, my brother, which I, you know, I was the older brother. I used to kind of, you know, beat up on him. As know, brothers as do. A, as an older brother, you know, just, you know. And, you know, one day he asked me to wrestle or something. And, you know, you, I'm like, okay. You know, I usually smash you. And I went to wrestle him, and he pinned me in a triangle. And was he already training jiu-jitsu at that time? Just, he was just training with this guy. He was just basically just watching fights and figuring stuff out, basically. Mm, okay. So it wasn't like he wasn't training, like, formal jiu-jitsu or anything. They just kind of figured it out. Okay, I got it. Yeah, yeah, um, Just learning what he could off the TV. Right. So he pinned me in a triangle. And, he, you know, my little brother just tapped me out, basically. <laughs> And so, <laughs> you know, it, it blew my mind. I was just like, you yeah. know, what's going on? Yeah. And so at the time, you know, I wasn't living the best lifestyle. I ate horrible food. 
Uh, I was smoking cigarettes and. Now you're a smoker. Yeah, I was for a, a while. How long did you How long did you smoke for? <sighs> for probably, you know, from the time I was around 15, 16, to I think I quit when I was like 21, 22. Uh, okay, so yeah, when you're a real man, huh? You're like I'm an adult now. I'm gonna smoke well, cigarettes. Well. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know, like I said, it was almost I didn't know at the time, but yeah. you know, not having that strong father figure in your household. Yeah. You know, I was just trying to fit in with the older crowd and just do what you see and what everybody else is doing. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I had older friends and uh they weren't the best influences on me and Yeah. Well, things do, like that. Well, you know where Potosi is? Uh yeah. So, I grew up in Potosi until I moved to Jeff City in like 6th grade. So, just and I still have family down there. So like any rural area, I mean, you just see a ton of people smoking and chewing, and just tobacco use is just so high in the rural areas. So I mean, everybody fucking it's does crazy. it. All the cool kids do it. Like growing <laughs> up, like my pet, my mom smoked. Cool, you know? cool. Yeah, same. So it's like everybody around me smoked. Like I didn't really know there was like a, a lot of people that didn't smoke. Like I just thought it was. Thing I think that, that, that people, adults that did. Most people did, yeah. Yeah, dude, I used to go to the store and get my mom cigarettes. Yeah, like it was not that you send me in this, go get yeah. her cigarettes all the fucking time. Yeah. Like it was just, <laughs> it was just a thing, dude. Like, yeah, like crazy. beer and cigarettes and chew were just always around me mm-hmm. as a very young kid. And then you see that, and that's kind of where it started. You know, I start, I used to steal my mom's cigarettes and sneak out, and you know, think I was cool and smoke cigarettes out yeah. back and stuff. You yeah, know? yeah, and dude. So that's kind of when you got that. When you have that influence you in your household, cigarettes give you a little bit of a head rush, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, so you know, like I said, I, that was just as I was, you know, coming into my adulthood, and um, so I kind of just like I said, I felt like my brother got me in that triangle. And so I started kind of training with them. Hmm. And we literally just trained like in a field. Oh, really? You know, we had gloves and stuff, and we would, you know, drill a little bit, and then mm-hmm. we would mostly just spar and stuff. Okay. Um, And then the guy was like, y'all want to take a fight? And we was like, you know, I'm like thinking I'm a tough guy. Like, yeah, sure. And uh, so he scheduled us for our first fight. We literally, I literally just started training in a field like yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And, <laughs> you yeah. see that often. People are surprised that when people joke about, yeah, this fucking guy just stepped off the street to go, oh, like that happens well, all like, the yeah, time. Well, yeah, when I first started. Especially then. It was, that's what a lot of it was. Um, you know, like you've heard people say before, people being pulled out the crowd. Um, just. That shit happens for you real. You know, just weird things. Um, so I took. So this was your early 20s still? Like, this is the very beginning? I took my first fight when I was 18. 18. So you're an 18-year-old kid 18, at this point. 18, yeah. Okay. Um, so that's 11 years 18, ago. My, and my bro- me and my brother fought the same night. He was actually 17 and lied. We lied, said he was 18 so he could fight. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, um, Do you remember what show it was? Um, AFC. Uh, it was ran by uh, Don Davis and... Um, Bradwick. Oh, and, those, those and that guys. was down in Cape? It was, um, yeah, this one. Or was it like Sykeston or something? Uh, I think the first one was in Cape. It was at the uh, at the uh, at the arena building. Okay. Yeah, first one was in Cape. That was, and so my first fight, um, I remember I showed up to the weigh-ins, and I'm fighting this guy that was 3-0. and um, And, you know, they, my, they asked me what weight, and I tell them 170. And like I think I think at the time I only said 170 because I'd watch a couple like GSP fights and I was like, that was like what I was trying to model myself and I was like I want to fight at 170. Okay. So I get to the weigh-ins and you know I weigh in I weighed in at 163. 
Oh, like okay. just this is just my regular weight. I so didn't know anything. Under. I didn't know anything about cutting weight or anything like that. Yeah. I just thought, you know, I hadn't really weighed myself. I just kind of figured. Guessing. Well, I kind of figured from I guess what I've seen before my weight. I knew I was around one seventy. Okay. And so you're so, a little, you came in a little under this Yeah, stuff. so <laughs> then, you know, this guy's probably, this guy probably cut down to 170, and I'm 163. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Kyle Kurtz? Mm -hmm. So he was there. I think he was the main event that night, if I, if I can remember. Um, and he was like, man, don't you think you should fight at 155? <laughs> and I'm just in my, like, tough guy mode. I'm just like, no, nah, mom, I'm good, man. I'm good. And, uh. Yeah, so then I get to the fight. I actually ended up dropping the guy in the first round. Like, he almost w went out cold, like, within the first, like, 10 seconds. But it was kind of one of those, like, flash knockouts when he hit the ground. He kind of woke up a mm -hmm. little bit. Yeah, that happens. And I was literally, if I remember, I literally remember smoking on the way to the fight. You were like, smoking cigarettes? So you had no nerves going No, fight. zero. Like, zero nerves. I thought I was about to, like, just kill this guy yeah you were just it's just yeah man you say you're 18 yes holy shit yeah i can just remember just how confident you are at 18 so confident like, like i had no worries it's my literally i fall in the street but like literally my street fights consisted of me hitting a guy a few times and then like when i went in the fight really and then and that's just, it and then that's it yeah um so this is my first actual like real fight kind of so um and like no training smoking cigarettes on the way there <laughs> Um, but oh I, I, dropped, I dropped, I dropped, I dropped the guy in the first round and, you know, I've watched fights. I've watched UFC before a little bit. And mm -hmm. so I drop him and I'm like, oh, so I'm running towards him after I drop him and I try to mount him or, you know, I try to just jump on him basically. And I get on, I get, I think I mounted him and I ran down like three strikes. I'm trying to keep going. And after the like three strikes, I noticed my you know, my punches are super slow and they're not, you know, there's no damage really. It's just like, yeah, almost like those dreams you have. Oh yeah. It was like, it was real life. Like I instantly, I was, you know, I had an adrenaline dump within 15, 20 seconds cause I dropped a guy. I'm thinking I'm about to finish him. And so I'm running down strikes. He actually had a little, you know, he's, this guy was three and oh, so he actually had a little training. He rolls me over. Um, you know, passes my guard, uh, mounts me, basically, and then does the same thing for the, you know, the, the remainder of the fight. Okay. Just after that, he just, he would come out after the round, take me down, mount me. And I just, I guess I had so much strength, I was just holding him. Mm -hmm. So it's not like he wasn't, I didn't really take too much damage, but... Uh, you know, he won the fight. He, yeah, he's kind of he controlled dominant. the position. But after the fight, I, I was so tired. I went backstage. I literally, I couldn't move for like two hours. I was throwing up. Like, it was bad. Is like, the, I I almost felt like I was going to die. Is that the most tired you've ever been? Yeah. That's a terrible feeling. Yeah. Yeah, it was worse. And so, you know, that right there, you know, obviously changed my whole mind on fighting. Because mm. um, I thought I was this you know, bad guy, street fighter. Um, and then this guy just could take me down and hold me. Like, I knew right then I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. A lot of people have a, a weird sense of what they're able to do. It's, it's not real, right? They they live in this idea of, 
like, yo, I know how to fight. And then you realize quickly, like, oh, shit, there's a lot that I don't know when it comes to fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably like an eye-opener. Yeah, and when I when I talk to, like, my brother some, uh, sometimes, so we both kind of started around the same time, and his, like, he, I asked him about his mindset around that time, and he's, you know, he said he always knew that he needed to train, and he didn't know what he was doing. Mm-hmm. But my mindset was, like, like these guys can't t- I don't know. <laughs> it was just weird. Like, I had weird confidence for no reason. Yeah, well, it's good to be confident. Right. It helps to have a reason, though. <laughs> yeah. Shit, man. So, I mean, obviously, that kind of, like, probably changed everything, and then you start training after that? Uh, No. No? <laughs> I didn't. Not immediately. I tried, obviously, but, you know, like I said, I was smoking cigarettes. It's kind of yeah. it's not that easy to quit smoking cigarettes. Um, so, but So it took you a couple years, it sounds like, to quit smoking yeah, cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. What did you do to quit smoking? I just... Kept trying, I guess. Uh, trying what? Just, just to not do it. You just yeah, wanted I just, to just stop doing it. I just wanted to stop so bad, and that's um, like something I give to you know people say, like you know martial arts or fighting or jujitsu changes their life. Um, it like literally did change my life because I wanted to, I I wanted to change so many things about myself because I wanted to be a fighter so bad. Mm, yeah, like I knew. Oh man, if I want really, I want to be a fighter really bad, but there's no way I can do that and keep smoking cigarettes. There's no way I can do that and keep eating these bad foods. There's no way I can do that and not train. Yeah. So like I had to change my change a lot to, you know, start being successful. So I I lost my first four amateur fights. That's how bad I I wanted to fight so bad. I just kept fighting even though I wasn't getting the proper training. I was still not, you know. Mm-hmm doing the right things but i still wanted to fight really bad yeah so like feels good to like still step in there and like do the thing yeah i mean i guess i had the you know i had i was brave enough to do it but you know it wasn't it wasn't a smart i still i don't look at it like a smart thing to do like i guess i was it just for your ego you think you're I'm just, not like it feels yeah. good to be like yeah I'm a fighter like to say that you're that you're a fighter and you're doing the thing and like it makes you feel like i guess it was probably a little bit of that but Honestly, I just really wanted to really bad. Like, and I, I knew I could do it mm-hmm. if I had the right people around me and the right things, mm-hmm. and I would, you know, live in the right lifestyle. I knew I could do it. So I guess I could just kind of figured like, keep going towards it and slowly, um, you know, fix yourself to where you eventually be successful at it. Mm. I guess it was kind of what I thought. So that's how I lost my first four amateur fights, um, and then. I started training with a guy um, in Sykeston, which he had, uh, he didn't have the best technique and things like that, but he pushed us really hard, you know, so I was in really good shape. So just with that, I started going on a little run because I had, I always had the willpower and like a little bit of skill. Mm -hmm. I just never trained hard enough because I didn't have the work ethic. Because I was, you know, I was a smoker and stuff. Like, yeah, when you like have that lifestyle for, you know, a few years, you're just a smoker. You're not active. It takes a little bit to get back into that. Even though I was pretty successful, like in school sports and things. From, but I stopped. You know, after school, I didn't do anything but work, go to work and smoke cigarettes and yeah. eat bad food. Yeah. So you know, it just took a while. Right. So, well, you're lucky you're young, right? You're able to bounce back quickly and recover from like the damage of smoking, mm-hmm. and then just keep moving, keep building. Mm-hmm. So you quit smoking 
so when you started training with that guy in Saxton, that was kind of like, that was like the step where like you're taking it more serious. Yeah. You stopped smoking. Definitely. Got in shape. Definitely. Okay. That's when I uh, started taking it a lot more serious. And then um, I won a few fights in a row. And um, I then I had a fight against Kyle Kurtz. It was like the main event type thing. It was one of those outside fights outside of the Harley Davidson shop there. Oh, that's what's up. Yeah, that's it cool. was pretty cool. Um, but this was another big eye changer or life changer. Um, when. So like I said, I won a few fights in a row, so I was getting my confidence back, and um, I was doing really good. And then, you know, we all know Kyle, he has pretty good, he's always had, like, pretty good jiu-jitsu and things like that. Um, so I, basically, I fight Kyle, and he gets me in a triangle, and, you know, I lose this, I lose this title fight that I've, you know, I started off horrible in my career, and then I bounced back, and then... I lose. This was uh, Kyle was about to go pro. This was like one of his last amateur fights, mm -hmm. and I was, you know, just starting to, you know, hit a little stride. And that when he got me in a triangle, again, that was a fight. I realized I didn't know what I was doing on the ground. Like I was, I still wasn't doing real technique, real jujitsu, or anything like that. So after that fight is when. I actually had to I had to leave the gym in Sykeston because I came back to my coach and told him like I needed to cross train. I needed to go to some other gyms because you know I could only learn so much from him. I kind of felt like I learned everything I could from him because mm -hmm. he didn't know too much to begin with. Yeah, he just kind of he just but he was a good he was a good mental pusher. Like he he was gonna have you and you're gonna be in shape for the fight. Right. Yeah. Just more like strength conditioning. He was really good at that. Right. Yeah. You man, dude. Yeah. Not every coach is gonna get you there. Right. Like yeah. where you start is not where you're gonna end up always. Mm -hmm. So that changed my mind as far as the ground game. Um, How did you win those other fights? Um, uh, knockout and, or just taking people down, ground and pound. Ground and pound, kind of. Yeah, like I said, I had a little bit of jujitsu. Like he, had, like I had a little bit of technique to teach. Like it wasn't like he didn't have any at all, but it wasn't like it just wasn't detailed, you know. Right. It was like he had any. Like pretty he knew good a, wrestling he knew a few coach. techniques that like worked, right? Right. Like he wasn't so teaching you a whole bunch. I was of taking guys down, you know, mounting them and pounding them out, and stuff, you know, okay. things like that. Yeah, yeah. But then once I ran into Kyle. You yeah. know, he actually had some formal jujitsu training, and I could feel the difference. You know, like right. I could feel like, you know, he was a step or two ahead, or like there were spots where I would get to, and I'm like, I don't know what to do right here. Yeah. You know? And <laughs> yeah. so I got when you're in a fight, and you're like, I'm in this position. Which way do I go? And then you just pick something because you, you don't know. Right yeah. And then it's probably not because you just pick, you just try something. Yeah. And it, depending on who you go with, either way it could be the wrong way. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter which way you go. So, you know, I always had like heavy hands and things like that. But it was what it, like when, as soon as someone would grab a hold of me, you know, I didn't know exactly what to do. Yeah. So like after that fight, that's when I knew, like, all right, now I need to. Like, I don't want to be in a fight and be on the ground and be in a position and not know what to do. Mm. I want to know what to do in every position, whether, you know, when it comes to MMA positioning and be able to, do I need to stand up right here? Do I need to try to sweep? Do I, you know, yeah. Do, uh, you know, just the little details of what you need to, where yeah. you need to be 
to protect yourself. Right, right, right. So that's how you you started seeking out a different coach at that time. Right, um, and when I wanted, to, I, I wanted to stay with the guy, um, but he, you know, he didn't want. He was one. It was one of those things, you know, one of those coaches that are like. You can't train like if you train over there, then they're gonna mess up what I'm teaching you. Ah, uh, yeah, that's it, silly. That's not a very. Yeah, I was one, like, I'm sure you've met a few of those guys. They exist. Yeah, that's not like a very good way to run a team, though, right? I mean, shit, you got you got to allow guys to go get different looks. I mean, there's so much value in cross training to be able to get different looks. I mean, especially when I think it's like a small town mindset when you when you think like that mm. because you're always thinking oh well one you, one you're not very confident in what you're doing if you're worried about somebody fucking up what you're teaching that's stupid but then if you're worried about maybe competing with other people that are in your same town like maybe you do that in the beginning but it's not ultimately especially as you're getting better and you start facing better competition you're going to start expanding outside of your city and start competing everywhere else right i mean in fighting as a pro it's you're not trying to i always think of like here in st louis it's like as a pro you don't want to be the best pro in st louis who gives a shit if you're the best pro in st louis like you want to you want to fight all the best pros like outside of the city like all over the country all over the world right i mean that's the, the goal right to be one of the best in the world not to be one of the best in your little yeah, area yeah, code right. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah exactly um so yeah start there but shit you don't want to end there yeah definitely not <laughs> <laughs> um which is exactly why you know i took my next fight like out of and I I don't know I like fighting out of town. Mm -hmm. Um, it's when like when you're fighting in your hometown, you know. There's I think I feel like there's a little added pressure. Not really. Um, you know you have everybody you know there like, and so you want to pin on a really good performance. You want to, you know, you want to, you know, try to get a knockout in front of you know people right. you grew up with your family. So there's all that added pressure when you when you fly out of town. I don't know any of these people, so I don't care. You just focus on the task at hand. Yeah, I don't know yeah. any of these people. Like, and you I, don't got to sell tickets. That's yeah. always nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I like fighting out of town. Yeah, I like fighting out of town too. Yeah. I used to fight whenever I fought for Shamrock. I think I fought mostly in Kansas City, and it was great because I didn't have to sell tickets and I didn't know anybody. It was just go yeah. go do the thing. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So I I started seeking out different uh training so Man. um I, I got into uh gracie humana school there with cody and brian yeah well, it was when i started it was you know it was just brian's uh it was brian's school um then he came down he's under jw right um, right how long so what 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 age are you at this point how long ago is that maybe like five years ago six years ago uh so i'm not good with tom uh, well, how long did you train with the guy in Sykeston? Uh, for like probably a year, year and a half. Oh, okay, so yeah, you're probably like 22 or 23. Yeah, I was. A, it was around that time. I think I'm pretty sure I trained at Bryan School for five years, and then I've been at my jujitsu school now for a couple years. A couple years, yeah. Yeah, so I've been. I, I've had formal jujitsu training for you know six. I want to say about six years altogether. Okay. Yeah. Six, seven, maybe going on seven. Yeah, your blue belt? Purple belt. Purple belt? Mm. Oh, nice, nice. So you know significantly more jujitsu now. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you you, you it's, like probably look back at yourself then, you're like, what in the world? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's almost, you know, when you look back at yourself, it's almost kind of embarrassing to yourself. Yeah, you were yeah. the guy that we like, that 
you know, like guys like us now laugh at. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but like, that's why I wanted to, you know, I want to tell people like you can, like you can go from that guy. Like I was literally, people used to laugh at me. Like yeah, we laughed I at had, that guy. All I the had, time. I had, I had a guy, a one thirty five er that was pretty good at the time. You know, making fun of me, calling me out, telling me he would beat me, even though you know I had so much size on him. Yeah. Like I, you know, I was just. Yeah. I was just one of those guys that was just doing, like you said, almost f- for their ego to right. say they were a fighter. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's not why I, was, I wasn't doing it just to say I was a fighter. I really wanted to be a fighter. I just didn't know how to do it. Like, right. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the beginning, dude, first of all, we all have ego. Every fighter has an ego. You have mm-hmm. to have a fucking ego to do fighting, to like to want to stand in the cage half naked and like go dominate another man. And then to be like, yeah. I'm the fucking man, and I need everybody to fucking know it. Like right. it feels so good no, yeah, to be the man afterwards. Yeah, that's one of the hard for me. Even I still even think about it sometimes. Cause I stopped fighting probably five years ago, and like physically, I'm probably better than I like. I'm really good. Like man, my jujitsu is better than it's ever been. Like physically, I'm in pretty good shape. I know I could go put a hurting on some people, like if I really wanted to, but the problem is I don't want to. Like you have to like mentally want to do that thing because mm-hmm. as you know once you get in there when the chaos ensues and there's something that goes that you're not thinking like you know something goes sideways you need to want to be there you need to like push through it because otherwise you'll just quit yeah which is what i did my last couple of fights but man there's just something like i get this just this slow voice it's like yeah man you know you want to go in there you know you want everybody to see you beat up that person yeah. <laughs> like you want to you want everybody to fucking know man like because it's it's a weird thing when people start looking at you, and, and this is, again, it's just my ego, but, like, whenever I would, I'm not in St. Charles MMA as much as I was, but, like, I'd be in there, and people would just look at me like just a jiu-jitsu guy. Like, they didn't, because I'm so far removed from fighting, mm-hmm. and I see these other fighters, and I'm just like, you guys aren't looking at me with the respect that I need you to look at me with. Like, <laughs> right. There's just something about that ego, man. Yeah. Like, it's a healthy driver. You can't let it go crazy, but, yeah, it's definitely a big part of it, especially when you're young, especially when you're young. Yeah. I think that's, like you said, about the respect. Like, I think that's a big part of it is, um, obviously, that's part of the ego, but, like, you know, you want people to respect you for your skills and, you know, your toughness and, you know, all that stuff. And it's, like, to me, I think why I started, like, I, sometimes, I, you know, I think why did I start fighting, you know? Like, why, you know, why do people start fighting? Um, you know, I played sports and then I, like I told you, I dropped out of school um, to start trying to take care of my daughter and stuff like that. And so, like, that, just that competitiveness, obviously, a lot of people say, like, they want that competitive, competitiveness back. Um, but I think, that, I, you know, I think it goes deeper than that. Like, why would you, why would, you know, a grown man want to get in a cage and fight, especially early in your career, you're fighting for free. So, you know, why would you want to? Um, and so I asked myself that, and... I I th- I think it's more about, you know, the respect as as like I I didn't have any other way for since I, you know, I was a, a high school dropout. Um I feel like I needed a way for to make people respect me. I didn't I couldn't go make money, you know, this elsewhere. People a lot most people respect, you know, you for 
you know, how much money you have and things like that. I felt like, I guess, this was a way where I could get people to respect me, I guess. Yeah, you could take control. Like, like you had an opportunity, right, to, to, to gain respect socially and, like, in a, in a very like in a way that you feel like you had control over mm-hmm. right like for me i always felt that um <clears throat> sports and like athletics were just kind of like the way in which i kind of expressed myself the best it was like that like i've never been a vi- like a big video game type of guy like i like video games i used to play them as a kid but like when it came to like playing my friends in madden and shit one i wasn't the best and that shit would always piss me off and i and i would because I'm so fucking competitive, but it would always piss me off as well because I'm like, this is bullshit because if, like, if we went out here right now and physically did something, I'd fucking smash you. And I didn't like that like that disconnect between like not having like the physical control over doing the thing. Right. So, yeah, for me anyway, fighting really felt like an opportunity to like build a life that that didn't, you know, that wasn't in that same, you know, typical structure of like go get the nine to five I, ha- I had a nine to five job i hated that shit and i'm like man i really want to be a professional athlete like that's what i've always wanted to do and this right. seems like the opportunity i can build a life that isn't like everybody else is doing something that not everybody else is doing but i actually have control over like i have control over what i'm eating when i go run when i train like you have all these things that you can do and you have like real input like physically in life like you can see there's a direct correlation whenever i run and then i have better cardio or whatever i'm i'm rolling harder and now i have i can fucking i can go for longer or you know what i'm saying like there's real direct feedback there and there's just something about that it's not abstract Mm -hmm. yeah i definitely think it was the same for me like um i just wanted to you know better my life and you know it gave me something to work for like look forward to yeah you know you get to look forward to fights you get to look forward to seeing your friends and things like that and that's a the camaraderie with the people you train is another big thing too that helps you um you know keep going and yeah and things like that and i'm i think i'm in it for longevity like i know a lot of guys you know you ask them how long they want to fight for and they're like you know 35 i just want to make a lot of money and get out like i definitely want to make a lot of money if you know if if i can like that's definitely the goal that was definitely when i started it was like this is the only way i can see myself making a lot of money um so you know that was definitely the goal but it's more i think it still comes down it's more to about respect for me Mm. like i definitely you know want to be able to take care of my family i work i work i still work full-time um but i don't i i've also not worked full-time and like trained full-time before honestly i like i I like my schedule now and i think working full-time and training it gives me um you know it keeps my mind busy Mm -hmm. because when i you know you can only train so much and so because my wife's a nurse so there was a little bit there um, when, especially when I f- was first turning pro, like right at my end of my amateur career, she told me, you know, well, we had we had little kids, and so I was the one that was going to stay home with the kids. She made more money, and then I could train more. But, you know, it gets to a point where you almost have too much time. Like, you can only train so much, and then it's almost like I, I'd start driving myself crazy. Like, I wouldn't be unproductive enough because... Mm. You know, all I was focused on was this one thing. But now, like, with having, a, you know, my set work schedule, I'm a welder. 
Um, so I work four ten hour shifts, Monday through Thursday, and then I'm off Friday, Saturday, Sunday usually. That's legit. Yeah, so I work. Um, I get up usually at four thirty, and I work six in the morning until four thirty. Then I get off and train and stuff like that. Okay, so you train every evening. Yeah, for the for the most part. Um, okay. If I'm, I I could do I go more by like just how I'm feeling. So like I have places that I will go each day that I already like I know if it's Monday I'm gonna go jujitsu, Tuesday I'm gonna go striking, you know things like that. Okay. Um, but like if I'm just you know if it, if I'm real beat up, especially if I'm at work and I'm just feeling real beat up and I'm dead, I'm like you know what I'm just gonna take the night off because, mm. you know that's I feel like that's when you get your injuries. Now there there's a lot of times when I'm you know you're feeling that way and you do want to push through, um, but. A lot of times, you know, I just feel like it's after you train so long, you kind of just get to know your body and know mm-hmm. when it's, when you need a day off. Yeah, you got to listen to your body for sure. Yeah, man. Dang. So you're working, so you're welding four days a week and then you're off the other three days a week. So are the three days that you're not working, are those like heavier training days? Yeah, definitely. I definitely try to be. So on my weekend, um, like today, I wake up and do car. Like I went to Ultimate Frisbee. Um, I had a group of guys. Um from surrounding bunch of surrounding churches in my area Mm -hmm. we all get together um a few days a week and play ultimate frisbee in the morning before work um and it's like it's really changed my cardio um because it's not like you go do all these other things for cardio you can go jog you can go do sprints Mm -hmm. but um you can go do like plyometrics you know all this different strange conditioning stuff um, I really like Ultimate Frisbee because it's like all that in one. Yeah, it's well, so, it's a game, so it keeps your mind. Yeah, right? so like when you're doing, when you're just doing sprints, like by, like say you're just doing hill sprints by yourself, you you might push pretty hard, but if you're trying to stop this guy from scoring, mm-hmm. like you're gonna you're gonna sprint as hard as you can to try to you know deflect the frisbee, right, or whatever you know. You're gonna and you're doing all these different things. You're not just running. You're not just jogging. You're running you're jumping you're mm-hmm. you know turning on a dime and trying to cut yeah you know you're trying to defend here it's hand-eye coordination it's yeah it's, so it's, there's it's a really lot of benefit that you're getting but also i imagine it's kind of like um it's easier on your body like you're not just taking the pounding of fighting mm-hmm. right so you're still getting like the benefits of like training but it's kind of like an active recovery session in a way because you're not taking like the beating from getting punched or kicked or slammed down on the ground and shit but you're right. still doing all the athletic stuff mm-hmm. exactly. yeah that's legit I, I yeah i just feel it really helps relate to the fighting a lot just from the you know as you know as a fighter you got to have that long distance cardio but you also gotta have that where you can explode and recover explode and recover yeah and that you do that a lot playing ultimate frisbee yeah yeah yeah. what do you usually do in the evenings um so like today i would uh i would be training uh, there's open mat today i would would go to at three o'clock um and then saturdays i actually i'll teach at 11 Mm. and then or no actually sorry so i wake up and this is when i on Saturday mornings is when I go to my strength and conditioning coach. Um, he's really good. Like, he um, played football, college football, at D1 at CMO there in Cape. Um, and now he does – he's had a couple guys that he's trained that have made it to the NFL. Um, he, tra- he does a lot of uh, high school kids and stuff like that, but – um, it's really high level stuff. A lot of like plyometrics, uh, you know, jumping, 
uh, medicine ball stuff. You know, kind of the stuff you see a lot of the high-level guys do. Mm-hmm. Um, and until he opened up his gym, you know, I was just kind of doing my own thing. We didn't have, you know, one of those gyms. You know, it's yeah. not like a big town, like, you know, city like St. Louis. Yeah. A little smaller. Our population is like 40,000. Yeah. So we didn't have, like, a strength and conditioning gym. We just had gyms. Right, yeah. So, um once I, you know, met this guy and got going with him, he's changed my strength and conditioning a lot too, to where I'm actually, you know, training like an athlete now. Yeah. And not just, you know, doing on my own, being like, oh, I need to run three times this week. I need to go do hill sprints a couple of times. Yeah. You know, I was trying to do it all on my own. Has that been a game changer for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big game changer. We live in a, in a great time right now where, <clears throat> to your point, there are a lot of really good strength coaches and they're like, they're, they're, more access to them they're everywhere you know they're not just in big cities and there's not just like a few of them there are a lot of there's a lot of good information and a lot of good coaches everywhere now so i'm sure that's been like a big game changer for sure oh yeah and he i mean i like the you know i like his style of training you know actually you know when we're doing our power matches and stuff you know i actually have us get barefoot mm-hmm. and tell us you know to work our feet like so we work our feet muscles you know they talk yeah. about how he's actually from uh he was actually born in africa and uh, he was talking about, you know, in countries like that, you know, most people don't, a lot of people don't have shoes. And then, like, a lot of these sprinters, you know, from these countries are, you know, are high-level sprinters. And he talked about, you know, one of the reasons is being, you know, they don't really have shoes. So they're building up a lot of strength in your feet. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need to just build up the your leg muscles. You need to build up the muscles in your feet, too, because that's where everything starts. Yeah. Like, when you're in the cage and you're, you're planting, or, you know, you're turning your hip over with it, like everything starts at your feet. Yeah, well, everything you do is barefoot, right? I mean, mm-hmm. when you when it comes to jujitsu or fighting or any of it, it's all barefoot competition. Yeah, so I do a lot of my strength and conditioning barefoot. Yeah, that's a good move. Sounds like you got a smart coach. Yeah, for sure. He's really good. Yeah, yeah, it definitely starts with the feet, dude. Dang. So, what's your diet like? Um, I, lately I've been doing more. So, like for the most part, it's always been mostly like when I got a fight coming up. Obviously, when I don't have a fight coming up, I'm going to slack a little bit. Um, but when I got a fight coming up, I'm pretty strict. And mostly it was, I'm trying a little bit different this camp. Mostly it was like a lot of chicken and fish. And then I do a lot of smoothies and things like that. Mm. Um, but I'm doing, right now I'm doing more red meat. Okay. Just because, you know, everybody's been talking about the carnivore diet and things yeah. like that. Um so I'm trying that out, and I've actually I've been liking it a lot. Yeah, more beef, more uh, meat. Yeah, because that ch- chicken gets old really fast. Yeah, like, well, they're, they're more nutrients. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, I just thought, you know, I was just always thought that, um, you know, chicken was, you know, they tell you you're supposed to eat white meat, you gotta eat ch- chicken. But when you actually get to do so more research, that's like you said, beef is a lot more nutritious. Yeah, yeah, you get more nutrient. Yeah, it's always it's always like the lean meats, right? Like, mm-hmm. dude, fat's good for you. For right. sure, beef isn't really that bad for you. Uh, I've, it's I've actually noticed good for that. you. <laughs> and I could actually feel. Um, so I've been doing a lot more steak, um, and yeah. so like I could actually tell days like when I'm at work and you know I'll eat my steak on lunch. Yeah. And I feel better after lunch. Like, yeah. And it wasn't always like that when I was eating chicken or fish yeah. on lunch. Like, yeah. It doesn't have. I guess, you know, all the iron and stuff like that, you know, you need that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Some, I mean, you get a lot of protein from chicken. I mean, obviously, you know, the the oils, you know, uh, fish oil is great. So, I mean, that's always good with fish. But, yeah, man, I just, 
I eat mostly red meat. Yeah, I definitely do now too. I always ate like I always ate red meat, but yeah, it's just a lot more now. Because yeah. I guess, and I guess I always thought like making weight, like oh, I need to eat chicken because I'm not gonna make weight because right. That's just kind of what we were told. Yeah, there's just a lot of bad, um, like nutrition information out there. It seems right. I remember there was so now knowing what I know now and just kind of the way I eat now I'm always whenever I see people do things like um, they're like oh I'll do skim milk I'm like no you like like whole milk is better for you than right, skim you milk need the or, fat. exactly or if you'll if they'll do like egg whites instead of having the whole egg I'm like damn man it's like yeah I mean I guess if maybe you have an issue digesting the the cholesterol and shit like you don't want the egg yolk but you want the whole egg you don't want just the egg white like when people do that because it's in their mind healthier, then I'm like, man, you're just kind of, you're not, you're kind of lost right there. Um, It's just because bad information, in my opinion. Correct, yeah. And I definitely, like, I've definitely went on kicks and, like, you know, there for a while, like, you know, I cut out milk and was only doing almond milk and oat Mm -hmm. milk and things like that. Yeah. And, you know, it's almost, I don't know if it's a placebo or what, but, like, you know, you almost start kind of feeling better, like your digestion and stuff, maybe a little bit. But then now, now, you know, it's like, I don't know, but I just lo- I love milk though. So it's like, you know, and I know it's not like I'm drinking it all the time, but like I want to, you know, use it when I'm making a protein shake or, yeah. you know, things like that. Right. Um. So it's like, I finally was just like, you know, I was, I'm just going to drink the real thing. Right. Because yeah. there's been also, you know, there's these guys on the carnivore side now that are t- saying you know how much bullshit it is like almond milk and things like that like it's, it's just, essentially this marketing and stuff and, i mean i drink i got some almond milk in the fucking fridge but like we also get um we get raw milk from like a local farm oh yeah and um man i, I like that shit a lot yeah. yeah i definitely i definitely do um get like the organic and um things like that because I didn't notice a difference in, like, you know, when I'm buying my beef and things like that, that the, you know, the grass-fed mm-hmm. and things like that is going to be a lot better for you. Right, yeah. Because they just, you know, especially, you know, right before they go slaughter these cows, you know, they're pit, they're pit, pumping them for a grain and mm-hmm. just to fatten them up, and it's just not, it's just not right. good for you. Right, yeah. You always end up paying a little bit more, right? But I but think it's, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's yeah, way worth I'll it. I'd definitely rather pay a little bit more and for it, my steak. It's scale, so. like it shakes out in the end, right? I always tell people, okay, would you rather pay for that prescription every month because you skimped on good food? Right. Because people do. Exactly. People will pay, they'll have five, six, seven fucking medications. Exactly. And they'll pay for is. those every month. Yeah. You could have just bought good food. Change up your diet a little bit. <laughs> yeah, like watch the seed oils, fucking mm-hmm. the refined processed carbohydrates, like just all the junk. That's Yeah, that's the big thing, like... I still eat, like eat junk a lot of times. Yeah, um, like what? Like what's your shit? What, what, uh, what ice you? cream. Man. Oh, I love bro. ice cream. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> I love ice cream. So good. Uh, Oreos, like with milk, you know, mm-hmm. Oreos, and, like so. Like I'll definitely out of camp and stuff like that. Uh, you getting the milk and cookies and yeah. the ice cream? <laughs> but I, I just always tell myself, you know, like I I work really hard, so I'm like, you know, I'll just work a little harder. <laughs> <laughs> do you but blow up? How much do you walk like around at? In I don't. I don't really blow up anymore anyway, though. So I don't. I guess I don't eat that bad. But 
So, like, right now I'm, like, 185. I usually walk around about 185. Between 185 and sometimes I'll get down even close to 180 walking around. And now you're fighting at 70, right? You mm-hmm. don't fight at 55, right? Yeah, no. Okay, I'll fight I was at 70. <laughs> no, I've never fought at 55. Uh, okay, so you've always fought at 70? Yeah, I've okay. always fought at 70. I, I fought at 85. I fought at 205 one time. Oh, shit, for real? But I, I, went, I didn't weigh 205. It was one of those things back in the old days <laughs> like let's when, go well i went to the fight and my fighter didn't show up and this other guy's fighter didn't show up i was supposed to be fighting at 85 mm. and then so i was like 85 and then, and then i ended up going up to fight this other guy at 205 and yeah i shouldn't have done that you know what happens yeah learning lessons learning lessons well shit dude yeah ice cream and uh and, and cookies and shit that'll make it easy to go to 205 if you yeah. really wanted to yeah. <laughs> yeah i thought about uh you know trying to bulk up and no. do 85 or something like that but i just feel like you know 170 is my natural no you're a good size for 170 yeah yeah uh although my last my last fight i felt i think it's because of how like the timing and everything so my last fight i fought like back to back like within a month mm. so and i think because i cut back to back like that between that i never gained my size back for like you know like you kind of you'll cut down and then you got like within you know a few weeks you'll kind of gain your size back when you start eating different things like that mm-hmm. um but i kind of stayed you know around 180 or 78 and so i could never kind of gain my size back so the guy had a little bit of size on me. Yeah. Um. You know, it's gonna happen sometimes, but um, I'm not. That's that's not why he beat me or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. But you definitely. Your body just probably didn't recover from those weight cuts. That's hard on the body. Yeah, I think I th- that's I, th- I don't think I'll ever want to do that again. Like you see these guys like Chamayev and these guys that have done these back to back fights, mm-hmm. and I just don't think it's a good thing for me yeah um, if you're gonna get paid for sure do right it. <laughs> well it was a good opportunity is what it was is um so i beat my guy and then it was a month later you know i was on on fight pass at fac mm. so i just didn't want to pass up the opportunity i get it and i get it. it was a good opponent like my you know i'm one of those guys that i like taking the tougher fights if i if i just fight somebody that i think i'm supposed to be i can't i don't really get too motivated for it like you gotta i like to it. fight somebody that i know has a chance to beat me or like it you know i i i kind of step up to the altercation like you like to feel like the underdog yeah yeah i can understand that because you yeah. gotta because then you gotta prove them wrong right exactly that, that gives you that motivation yeah and that yeah so you know it was a it was a good fight a good fighter yeah um, you know he just there's a like i'm not making any excuses like he beat me he was a better fighter um it was just one it was a really crazy week and yeah my coach um could did so i got a text the morning of the fight that my coach wasn't gonna make it Mm. and so you know just everything was not going right yeah i kind of you know and then once that happened that was i woke up to that and then it's like you know, you kind of go back and forth all day. Like, I'm, I'll be all right. Yeah. And then, like, for a little bit, you're like, man, no, I can't fight without my coach. Mm. And then you're like, no, I'm not dropping out. I'm fighting. Yeah. And then it's like, so, I, t- you know, I kind of, I did. I was not going to drop out. Um, but, like, you know, I almost had to, like, try to, like, not, I, wanna, I don't want to say trick myself, but, like, you know, force myself into the mode of wanting to fight without mm-hmm. my coach, you know. 
it was a fight. You're in there by yourself, but those co- like your coaches are a big part of it. Like they help a lot. Leave that confidence for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you're fighting a mental battle the whole day. By the time you get into the cage, you're already mentally fatigued. Yeah, and then also, make it tough so to then, so my jujitsu coach was still coming up. But I didn't, I didn't have my MMA coach. You know, so mm-hmm. like, and my jujitsu coach, he's literally just a gi jujitsu coach. You know, it's yeah. It's, you know, he's not, he's never been in a fight. Like, it's different. You know, he, he definitely helps me. Like, he definitely is a good coach. and helps me with my jiu-jitsu, but it's a little bit different, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's changed up a little bit. So, I didn't have my MMA coach. Um, and then, you know, he, my opponent, you know, he trained at Glory. And then, so, you know, he's got two, that's you a, know, UFC guys in his corner. It's a strong gym. And then, so that's, you know, that's, you know, that's it. I'm trying not to let these things mess with my yeah. head. Well, it sounds like you mentally lost the battle before you. Ever oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, but I, I also feel like I kind of like fought out of it for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, like you overcame something by stepping in. I there. overcame something because I, you know, I I was fighting a pretty good fight until I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, so I, you know, he's got two UFC guys in his corner, and I don't know if, I don't know if I couldn't, if I just couldn't hear my corners. Or like if you know, if it was just the moment or what, but you know, all I can hear is his corners, and they're telling him, you know, they're calling out, you know, codes and stuff, and he's the guy I'm fighting. He's comfortable, like he's so comfortable that uh, they're calling things out, and he's like, "All right, I got you," and then and then executing. Mm. Um, that's how comfortable he was. That's a good place I, to be. Yeah, that's and I, you know, I've been there. And but I w- I wasn't there at that moment. Right. Um. And, and I'm still like, nope. I'm fighting through this. So the fight started out. He he was landing. He was getting the better of me on the striking. Um. And then I kind of started to find my timing a little bit. Um. I started landing strikes. I started landing counters. Um. And then basically, you know, they had a good game plan. Um. As soon as I started landing a little bit, he timed it. Um. Took took me down. Mm. Uh, when he took me down, I I have a really good guillotine. So and I that's how I won my fight just a month before that, right? Um, with the guillotine. And so, but he had timed the takedown so good, I threw the guillotine, but it was already too late. Mm. Like I just kind of threw it because, like you know, hell Mary, like oh crap, he's taking me down. Like it was such a good time takedown, like I didn't see it coming. Like yeah. it was one of those like he timed it when I threw a counter strike. Yeah. Um, and so like I tried to throw his guillotine, but he was already to the side and everything. And since I, since he was already to the side and I threw that guillotine, his head was already right there and the arm triangle was already, the the arm triangle was already right there. Mm. And then he just had to hop over. So, and it was honestly like, yeah, I heard you bring up, you know, you said you kind of quit and you've kind of quit in your fight before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it was kind of one of those things like. Like, my mental battle was so crazy that, like, as soon as he took me down, I kind of just, like, was like, all right. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, like, and I kind of, like I said, I kind of fought out of it, and, like, I was starting to counter-strike and stuff, and, like, I was fi- starting to feel better. And then, you know, he, and I also had got poked in the eye, too, and the ref didn't see it. It was not. It was an accident, you know. One of those things. It was just like one of those things, and the ref didn't see it. So for probably like thirty seconds of it, I was just trying to move and get my vision back. Yeah. So that messed with my head, and then right after the exchanges, right after that was when he took me down. Mm-hmm. And it was just one of those things. Yeah. Like as soon as he took me down, 
like I lost all confidence and like, you know. Yeah. Like I, I don't, you know, fighters don't really, you don't really hear fighters talk about you know those moments, but there's a, I feel like everybody's kind of been in the moments where they, you know, it's just it's been mental. Like it ain't, it's not really physical. Yeah, a lot of it's mental because physically you know how to fight. Like that's why you hate those adrenaline dumps. Like that's mental, yeah. right? It's like you're not calm. Right. You're overexcited. Your body has a physical reaction, and then you just fucking fatigue out. Like it's like, why am I doing that? Because you're so excited by the moment, right? It's like mm-hmm. mental. So yeah, man, the mental is a huge aspect. My very last fight, I got put in a triangle. Well, I first of all, I fucking what did I do? I um, I did. It was a. Um, like an omoplata sweep. And I swept him. I'm on top. He throws me in a triangle. I get out of the triangle. He puts me right back in the triangle. And then I tapped. I wasn't even choking, actually. I just knew I was in the triangle. I knew I didn't want to be in it anymore. I'm like, all right, I'm done. And that was my last fight ever. Yeah, that's kind of how that, like, I don't, I'm, I don't ever tap the arm triangles in training. Like, I'm pretty good at defending those. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of like he, like, he caught it. He re- he caught it good, mm-hmm. but it wasn't there yet. Yeah, and I could have you know started defending, but since he caught it, I was kind of like, he you got know, it. He got it. He like he caught before. it. Like yeah. yeah, you got it, buddy. Like, and you know, it's just yeah. you know, that's the, those are the moments that I beat myself up about the most because it's like all I had to do was just tell myself no and keep going, and something else could happen. Yeah, yeah. Like that's a shitty feeling, especially like in hindsight, because especially in, like. When you're in the moment of like, like now, for example, we're sitting here, we're both relaxed, we're not tired, we're not dealing with the shit, we're in a good mental space. And then you look back on the thing, and when you're in a good mental space and you look back on it, you're like, why didn't I just push through that moment? But then at that moment, like mentally, it just wasn't even a fucking option. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. definitely had that conversation with myself before. It's a, it's a tough thing to kind of like get over, but... It's definitely just a part of it. You're still in the race, though. That's oh, the yeah. thing. You don't yeah. have to, like, live on that thing, right? Yeah, you know, you had a yeah, tough weight cut. And honestly, dude, in my opinion, man, I fucking hate weight cutting. I think if you're going to fight at 70, not you, but just, like, in a general sense of saying you, um, I think if at 170, I don't. I think the best way to walk around is probably no heavier than 180. Yeah, Be- definitely. I def- Especially by week of, I'm, like, 170 at 180. Yeah. Because I don't, like, I've done those big weight cuts. I'm only trying to cut like ten pounds. Tops. Yeah. Tops. Because I mean, it's like I can seven, cut, eight water. You can cut that any day of the week if you want to. Yeah. If like you're I could, I could wake up tomorrow and go cut ten pounds if I want to. Yeah. So it's like you know that's I feel like that's perfect. I think there's a percentage I've seen that they say like you want to cut like seven percent or something like that. And like when I did the math. It told me like the max I need to cut is like twelve pounds. Oh yeah, if you're going so you do like seven percent of your body of your body weight or something. Yeah, if you're trying to like figure out what's a healthy percentage of weight that you can cut that isn't going to be like detrimental to your performance and you know like how much of like how much water do you actually have? Yeah, for sure. And so that's kind of what I go by. Like I don't ever cut more than twelve pounds. Like especially with like by the week of I'm I diet down yeah and get you know get pretty close. I think the sport is like suffering from. Um, you know how like I don't know the best way to word this, but you know how when you know like a like a like some sort of like a, an eating disorder, if you will, like how that's mental. Like we're almost we're we're suffering from some sort of disorder in yeah. fighting where everybody feels like you have to cut weight and be the biggest guy yeah. to perform when really like that's not 
the case. And uh-huh. oftentimes you'll see guys who were cutting and cutting and cutting, and then they go up to the next weight class because it's an actual natural fit for their body and their weight, and then they fucking crush it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just – and part of it's just the, the system in itself. There's only five weight classes. But just the idea that you have to – completely deplete yourself physically 24 hours before getting in there for a fucking fight that's so crazy that we still do that yeah it is crazy it's like most guys my way especially like ufc level and things like that most guys my way are cutting to 55 like they're cutting from 80 85 down to 55 insane and it's like so it's like you know i thought to myself a few times before i could probably make 55 but it's like i don't like i feel like the whole camp is making weight Mm-hmm. basically like you're not you're not you know you're trying you're not really getting better you're just trying to yeah focus on cutting weight fuck that yeah i hate that shit weight cutting sucks yeah yeah man i used to blow up to like 190 and cut down to like 170 yeah i've definitely done that i cut the most most i ever remember cutting is there's i had a fight and i was doing pretty good on weight i think i was like you know around 185 or something and there was like this I'm from like I told you I'm from Illinois and there's like the local fair over there and I went over there for something I don't remember my family always does like the uh, derbies and the mud races and things like that okay and so I went over there to watch somebody do one of those things I don't remember what it was and like you gotta walk through the fair to get to where the you know the events are and so, like, you know, I walked through there. I'm smelling all this. It's a week before the fight. I think it's a Saturday before the fight. Okay. And so I just get, I give in. I'm like, I'm getting funnel cakes. <laughs> like, and this is when I, this is back when I wasn't, you know, taking it so serious yeah, or anything like that. but all the fair goodies, huh? Yeah, so I, you know, loaded it up on fair goodies. I get home and I was like 194. Okay. And it was just a Saturday before the fight. So, yeah, I cut basically that sunday or yeah so sunday when i woke up i weighed myself i was like 194 mm. so from that sunday to that friday i cut from 194 to 170 whoa i've never cut that drastic amount of weight like whenever i say cut so maybe i started my camp at the at the beginning around like 197 and then by the time i get to like week of where i'm about to cut weight i would always try to get down to like 180 178 for like that last like right. water like push yeah so but yeah, yeah that's definitely how I do it now but that's, when I you know gave in and ate all you know funnel cakes oh, and I get all it. fair food I get it I yeah I had I, I cut from ninety four to seventy really from, what's that five days yeah five six days dude you know and even towards the end of my career and and I'm I'm more disciplined now for sure than I was at the beginning because in at a certain point, it, it it I shifted away from that idea of where it's always like, oh, I eat this way in camp and I eat this way out of camp, and it's like, oh, now I'm always like I'm always like getting ready for shit. It was just to a point to where it came, it almost became like a like a twenty four seven camp, where at least from from a nutrition standpoint, like this is just the way You're I eat. That way. Yeah, this is just like now, like I don't I eat like this is just how I eat. You know what I mean? Like I don't like have to like clean up anything. If I were to go into a camp, I wouldn't have to clean up anything. Like, this is just how the fuck I eat. Like, so I think once you get to kind of like that place and you're not fluctuating, it just, it just makes it so much easier on your life. Cause dude, I, I think back the, in fighting, dude, opportunities always come. They always do. 
And it's it, always it's always when like you're not ready. That's the, that's the thing though. That's yeah. the thing. It always comes when you're not ready, so you always have to fucking be ready. That's the thing, dude. I got called from Bellator. They called me to come fight on a week's notice to come fight somebody at like 170. I was like 203 or something. I, there's no fucking way I was making weight on. Yeah. It was like 10 days notice. I'm like, all right, I can make this weight, and then I'm gonna get beat up by this dude. And then what? Like that's stupid. And then another time they called me was to go fight and um. In Tel Aviv, but I didn't have my fucking passport on hand at the time. They said I had to have my passport on hand at the time. So, you know, hindsight being 2020, it's just kind of one of those things like, man, just always be ready. Like, it has to be like an all the time thing, especially with nutrition. Because if you, that whole fucking idea of I'm going to blow up and then I'm going to get in shape, like, the, what's, who was that fucking Patty O'Malley or what the fuck his name is? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Patty the Patty Bat- Pimblet. Yeah, whatever the fuck Patty his name Batty, is. Yeah. yeah, Patty the Batty. That's what he does. Yeah. And that's like that old school, huge. that's that old school shit, man. That's yeah. what they used to do in the beginning and like, yeah. that's not sustainable and you cannot fucking do and that and it's like, hard on your body and, and you're eventually, you're never going to, like, you're never going to perform like you should. No, and eventually your body won't be able to make the cut anymore. Because it's rebounding, it's rebounding, it's rebounding, and every time you rebound, you get a little bit heavier, and then it gets harder to lose the weight. And especially, I mean, you're approaching thirty. Like once you get into your thirties, the weight cut is different, bro. Like for some reason, and I don't know if maybe because I also started maybe taking creatine a little bit more regular regularly, but I put on, and I would say like around thirty one or thirty two, like I put on like ten pounds of just solid mass. And I can't like I'm just I'm just bigger now. Right. So like if I were to fight today, I'd have to fight at 185. Like 170 would not even be an option. Yeah. So it's just it's just a thing where it's like man, it has to be a lifestyle. Yeah, I de- I definitely think my diet for the most part is my lifestyle. It sounds like it. Um, yeah, I'm eating the same things as far as mostly meat and. If going off the rails is just like adding some cookies and some that's ice cream, that's, like, that's, that's, that's basically that's that's basically the crazy. only that's only the di- that's the only difference is you know I'll splurge a little bit yeah you know, after a fight you know a couple of few weeks and I'll eat some cookies and when I want to or eat, yeah go, or go get ice cream when I want to or yeah you live you yeah. like you're like a regular human and you know there's some. Uh, Sometimes I feel really good. I you have a really hard workout, and you sweat out a lot, and then you leave leave the gym and go and get some ice cream after. Like it kind of replenishes you that sugar mm-hmm. and like I don't know. It's For sure, thing to when it. you're an athlete and you're working that hard, mm-hmm. you can get away with certain things. Right. You know what I mean? Like. Dude, there's a lot of people who they'll go for long runs and they'll have like a beer afterwards mm-hmm. because the carbs are replenishing. It's not it's not the same effect. Right. You know what I'm as saying? long as you as long as you're not overdoing it, like, right? Not, you know, not, they're not not going for a run. those got, those people are not going for a run and then you know drinking a twelve pack. They're no drinking a couple beers. Yeah, just you know. Well, the idea is if if you're actually doing the work and like your body needs you know nutrients and stuff sometimes you can these things that we look as bad like isn't as bad you know if if you're if you're sitting on the couch all day and you're going to eat some fucking some pizza and some ice cream not good right but if you're training your ass off all day and then maybe you have like you know a few slices of pizza exactly it's Mm -hmm. not the same but if you're doing it all the time that's what fucks you up bro what do you do when you're not fucking training for fighting are you like a fisherman or a hunter or Uh, hiking i do fish and i actually did just um, I just got my, like, I, I didn't hunt, um, like, I hunted a little bit when I was a kid, mm-hmm. when I lived in the country and stuff, um, but it was mostly just, like, small game, like, rabbits, squirrels, squirrels stuff like that, just to, to eat and stuff with my uncles and things like that, um, but I, I mean, 
been wanting to get into hunting so this year i actually i have a bow and stuff now and uh uh, I just got finished with my safety course or whatever, so nice. by this fall, yeah, I don't think I'm going to go hunting. Nice. Because, yeah. yeah, like, it kind of, fighting is really all I, besides going to work and fighting, that's really all I do. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, you know, I kind of did need to find something else to, mm-hmm. you know, take my mind off of it a little bit sometimes. Right, yeah, something to kind of give you some leisure for sure. I think I bought a bow a couple years ago. Um it took me forever to get it. I think I bought it, and it took me probably like eight months to actually get the thing set up. I finally got it set up, and then um, like I've, I've shot it. I don't shoot it as regularly as I should, but I'm with you. Like I definitely want to uh, to go hunt, go hunting this this fall. Yeah, I went. I I really went to. So I'm actually moving out. Um, me and my wife, we're gonna move out. So we live in Cape right now. Um, we're gonna probably moving i want to say it's probably 20 30 minutes from where i at now hopefully by this summer which direction uh south north east west like which way bro west west okay so like like past jackson yeah so exactly so it's through jackson and then go out the country that way got it so we actually got some land out there um we're gonna buy like a brand new trailer Stuff like that. Okay. Uh, so my father-in-law, he farms. He has a bunch of cattle and stuff. Oh, cool. And so he bought this extra land so he can transport between them and, like, expand his farm a little mm-hmm. bit. And so we're going to – we have a little bit of that land, and we're going to nice. move out there. So I'm looking – once we get out there, there's a lot of – that's, like, a 50-acre plot. And then he has – his actual farm is on like t- over 200 acres. Oh, cool! So there's all types of hunting land out there. Yeah, dude. Um, a couple ponds. Um, you know, we're gonna awesome. get into gardening and things like that. So, cause you know, like the world and things like going crazy. You bro. Definitely, you're, I'm definitely gonna want to be able to hunt my own food and garden, and you know, just be away from everything if it you know it goes crazy. And I'm with you, dude. Be ready. Yeah, I, I want to kind of move out too and kind of have some space mm-hmm. get some chickens yeah exactly in. i want to be able to you know provide and you know use my land and you know not have to go to the like not always just have to go to the grocery store yeah be self-sufficient right yeah because man you go to the grocery store and maybe something isn't there and then it doesn't take much and for how people. much does it cost these days there's that too there's like, that it's, too it's so crazy you can't go to the grocery store without you know and you know if we wait you know, not the best, but we make pretty good money together. She's a nurse and I'm a welder. But it's still like the grocery store is like t- taking all of our money. Dude. I mean, we do, you know, we do got a bunch of kids, but. Well, just the cost of diesel fuel right now, I mean, that's going to translate into everything going up. I mean, I think I was looking at something today like uh, basically, I didn't realize it, but yeah, basically everything, like our whole infrastructure and economy is really dependent on diesel fuel, right? Because if you look at. Like all the big machinery, like whether it's construction or the fire department or the ambulance or, right, or transport, everything. transport, yeah, exactly. You know, diesel's transporting the f- the food or anything. Like that's all that's all fucking diesel fuel. So if those costs go up, then everything else goes up, and it's like fuck, man. Yeah, it makes sense. Exactly. Now you got to be able to grow your own shit. And it's like how do well we water. how do we know? Like we can sit and you know think like, oh, how much you know how much oil is left before you know there's no oil. Like I, and yeah. so it's like how like I have no idea like I'm not that smart mm-hmm. so it's like how do we like I have no so it's like you kind of have an idea of what's going on we know that we're you know 
it's a lot more expensive right now for gasoline, but we don't know exactly what's going on. So it's like, yeah, like you want to be ready. I don't like, think we're going to run out of oil. I just think that whoever controls that resource manipulates the price in order to pay for whatever they need to. In this case, we're, I, man, th- this whole this whole war going on right now between Russia and Ukraine. And we're sending billions of dollars makes of you, aid over there. Makes you think it's just like another money laundering. Exactly, thing. Like they had, bro. Like they were, and they were bringing it up, like in the election, about his, about his son being, you know, laundering money. Oh, the Hunter there. Biden laptop and all that. Yeah, shit. so and it's like they were already talking that before, and then all of a sudden it's the war. Well, and before it was all, all hearsay, and, then, and now it's starting to become substantiated, right? And like, now, now we're sending them all this money. Like it's crazy, dude. It's crazy. When, when, when all these people over here struggling, like I, I don't understand yeah. it. Well, I saw something. You know, we we we're sending billions of dollars of aid overseas. Yet they, I think, a bill was just denied to like help bail out like small businesses and restaurants and shit. So it's like this domestic bill was was shot down but we're going to send all this money overseas that's weird and then also there's this huge baby formula shortage right now which i mean on one hand you know people have been getting by for a long time without baby formula so i I think there has to be an answer for that that isn't the baby formula but on the same hand it's like we're sending all this money elsewhere why are we not investing in maybe baby formula because there are parents out there who cannot breastfeed right. so it's like what is the option for them what if they adopted and now they can't you know what i mean or what yeah. if what if the mother just dried right. up and she just cannot physically you know give the baby milk you know i think in prior generations either a couple things would happen one if you're in like a small group setting then maybe some other mothers in, in the group can maybe breastfeed your baby for you or the harder thing would be like that baby probably fucking died. We don't like we don't live in either one of those scenarios. So what's the best way to fucking fix that? It's like yeah. I've seen some things floating around maybe about goat's milk. I don't know. Maybe yeah, I have no idea. But you would think, man, like what the hell are we doing, dude? Like and shit. almost man with all this stuff. Like I don't know. I'm kind of conspiracy driven, I guess. But, but the like, weird thing is, all those conspiracies seem to be coming yeah. more and more true and as I of I almost late. think, like, they're doing all... Like, everything they're doing is for a reason, like... Or, like, you know, the the shortage. It's like, oh, there, is there really a shortage, or, like, what's really going on? Like, why is there a shortage? Right. You know, like, is there... Like, can we not get it? Or are y'all just trying to hold it over their heads? So, like... They got to rely on the government more. Right. Like, you know, they're always, I feel like, you know, these elite, elite people, like, they, they got really smart people that work for them. So I feel like they're always kind of trying to play mind games. Right. Well, you know, at the end of the day, the the people in power, meaning, like, the government officials or the, even the people who are over the government <laughs> officials, like, like, that's a pretty small group, right? And the masses, like us, you know, like, like to your point, like what the hell is really going on? Like, right. there's a lot of theater happening where there's it's like I see what the fuck you're doing and I see what you're saying, but the actions aren't really adding up. Right. And you know what I mean? Like, how much of what you're telling us is true? A lot of it's fucking false. I mean, if you look at the mainstream media, a lot of the shit that is coming out of there, like you can't even trust. Like, who even trusts what comes on the news anymore? Yeah, I mean, well, they're some definitely people- just using all the news stuff for politics. It's like I can definitely sit back and watch. Um, you know, like, you know, they had uh, the past, just over the past couple of weeks, you know, there was the abortion thing. And then, you know, they're talking about abortion, but then they're saying like, 
they're basically using it to try to get votes. Like yeah, everything's like hey, like, like you got to vote for us because if not, you can't get abortions or whatever. And then you know, then there's the mass shooting, mm-hmm. and then immediately, you know, instead of you know just trying to figure things out and get help. It you know it turns into a, a politics, yeah. gun control, yeah. whatever it is. It always goes yeah. towards politics to try to get votes. It's like one hot button issue to the next, to the next, to the next, all just to make you forget about like the two years of fuckery where all this shit's been happening. Yeah, you know what I mean. There were lockdowns and, and the amount of people who lost their jobs and their lives, like people who had to die alone and. All the shit that these politicians did, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, oh, forget about all of this shit for yeah, two all years and the mandates and all of this. And it's like, worry about just, this, this, and this. Oh, this past couple of years is just like, it's kind of hard to even sit back and think what like, what is life. I know, you know, you go, we're going to work and paying our bills and taking care of our kids, um, but it's like we don't know the next day to the next what these people are going to decide to change our lives, dude. And doing it just to stay in power to make more money that's how i feel about it like you know they're just going to use all these big topics to try to get votes and just stay in power so they can basically keep laundering money yeah and getting rich and doing whatever the hell they want to do like i'm gonna i i kind of feel like you know it's all that's what politics is let's see how long we can stay in here and make as much money as we can while we're here tell them what they want to hear and just keep on keep yeah, it seems to have become that, right? Mm-hmm. I would like to think that. So this is another business. Yeah, it's almost like we live in a, like a corporate dictatorship. You know, businesses just kind of dictate everything, like large businesses do. But I would like to think that you know, politicians, at least in the beginning, would get in it for the right reasons, not just to to get rich or to. But the idea of being a career politician, like there, that's inherently wrong. You know what I mean? I think there should be no, like term get, limits. I think I could get if this politician was really good. Like say, you know, you know, just like a this guy goes to the MLB and he's really good. Like we're gonna keep him around for a long time. Like he makes the league a lot of money. To, you know, right. he's doing the right things. He's a good role model. Like there's a good politician, but most of them, like you said, they might get into it and thinking they're gonna do good things. Mm-hmm. But when they get in there, it's you know, it's a lot of lobbying for money. Like, mm-hmm. it's a lot of trying to raise money. How much money will this person give me to back me? Yeah. You know, but even the good ones, how long should we keep them, right? Because, for example, like in baseball, you know, uh, like the philosophies and like the mentality changes over time, right? So if you have a guy from like the early days of baseball and he's like, everything's, he's, gonna change. everything's changed and he's like, ah, I don't, I, like, maybe he was good for the time, but oh, then as right. things change, yeah. it's like, ah, fuck. That's why I don't get the whole like constant, like, you know, you know, one side, you know, one side is trying to change the constitution, one side is trying to keep it. I get like there's gonna, there needs to be a little bit of change and a little bit of keeping. Like, you can't just say like the way these guys thought way back then is the way that we should think now. Yeah. But at the same time, I get that you know, there's a lot of moral things and things like that. Right. But it's just, and it's hard to say like, no, nobody knows what we should do. We're all just figuring it out. Yeah, right? nobody knows. Like we can sit here and talk about it, but like, yeah, nobody. I don't like nobody knows how to, you know, lead this many people. Right. Like and, it's, and this is in in the in the like the the time span of humans. This little thing that we call America is such a small experiment in freedom, because the majority has been like 
it's been ran by dictators yeah. <laughs> and monarchs and shit yeah, like that. And so mostly this is one new type of, pe- of people. Like this is like the kings and queens and yeah, rulers like it was and like dictators. you know mostly one race on the, in these countries a long time you know a long time ago. Now it's like all these races mixed together and like you know all these different cultures and things and it's just hard to you know make everybody happy america is definitely like a unique thing but i really enjoy freedom so i don't want to lose freedoms which is the scary thing it's like it almost seems like this little thing that we call freedom or democracy is like slipping away i don't know like one mandate out of fucking time and it's well but the thing is it's like they pick and choose what they want to mandate or like it's like, you know, they wanted to mandate these vaccines and, you know, the you know, the same people that wanted to mandate vaccines and tell you what you can do with your body are now saying that, you know, it's their body, their choice, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, whatever side you're on. But I'm just saying you can't keep contradicting yourself like that. Both sides do it. Right. right, and then if you look at the 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 highest of the high levels, I mean, both sides are really on the same fucking team. It's just like pro wrestling; like they're over there, just like getting their side raw rod up and their side raw rod up, and then they're going in the ring and they're they're duking it out. But really, yeah, they're all like back, rea- they're reality. all backstage shaking hands and collecting checks and shit. Yeah, and this is like another reality TV. Dude, show. it's crazy, man. I think some some things just seem so simple, yet why are they so difficult? For example, like why is there not like an age limit, like you can't be over a certain age. Like, why are the people who are running for president in like their seventies? Like, that yeah. seems crazy. Like, maybe the cutoff should be, I don't know, maybe like sixty-five at the most or some. Sh- I don't know. I'm just right. throwing out a number. Or like, why are there not term limits? You know, I think it's a good idea to not have one person in there for so long. For example, like Supreme Court justices, why do they get appointed and then they're there for life? So if we're talking about turnover rate, there's probably far fewer of those than anything else. So if you start from the very beginning, I think we can all probably agree that those people probably held certain beliefs. Like they're all probably pretty fucking racist. They didn't like black people. So the chances of them of like shifting the system away from their belief system is going to be slim to none. Right. So, I mean, it's going to be slow, hard change with the laws. So like if you just look at it. That's how we get to places today where you had, like, redlining and, like, all these fucking things that, yeah. you know, just aren't fair. And and then that's kind of like when we get fast forward all the way today where you got people who are, like, point out all of those injustices and they're just acting like we have to burn the whole thing down. Or they, they act like, uh, my favorite is, like, they act like it was, like, a thousand years ago or something. Oh, like, yeah. you know. That wasn't that long it's ago. It's like, they're, you know. I you know I, I get both sides or whatever, but it's like you know, it they act like it's so long ago or like you know like it wasn't like they're like oh you know it's not racism is not like it used to be, but it kind of, like we're still Dude. feeling we're still feeling effects because when I was a kid it was still bad like and my grandfather probably you know. Was it had to go through a lot of stuff? It wasn't that long ago. No, not dude. My my wife's mom was segregated in schools. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Not that long they, ago. They, it's like they they want you to think it was forever ago. Though. Like right. They, they want you to think like it was like five generations ago or something. No, but right. It really was just not that long ago. So you know they want they want you to forget about it. Like I've been like when I uh, moved to Cape. So when I lived in Illinois. Um, I was really good at baseball. My team got second in state. Oh, nice. Like, I played second base and pitched in the rotation. Um, we were, I was really good at baseball. It was probably my best sport. 
when I moved over here, um, I want to say I think it was my freshman year. They like we I tried out for the team. They pit, like they pit everybody into groups. They pit all the uh, they pit all the black people in one group. Mm. And so they're you know they they go you go to different stations and you know they're watching you through all this stuff. Well, none of none of the black people made the team. Oh, for real. But they, and they put us all. It was just really, it was one of those situations like, and you know you kind of your heart kind of drops and it's just like you feel weird and it's it's kind of hard to speak up and like yeah yeah. Uh, so I I can remember, you know, situations like growing up where I've seen racism strong. It definitely has gotten better. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. And yeah, it's really fucked up in sports too. You see it actually, and I guess even even just kind of outside the race thing, you see a, just a lot of like politics and youth sports, like, right? Whether like their dad, baseball, and stuff. or exactly whether yeah. you know they gave to the boosters or they know the coach or whatever. And mm-hmm. You see that favoritism, especially in sports like baseball and like soccer. Yeah, you, know, you see those a lot. Yeah, I like think. oh, well, his his dad made Probably it. Probably basketball. Tri- his too. dad made sport, his, his dad made it to AAA back in the day, so. Yeah, well, so he he's got to be good. So we're gonna you probably see it more in team sports. Yeah, than you and, do like and individual. That's why, like, that's another reason why I love MMA now because you know I grew up on all these team sports and it's you know I used to feel like you know if something happens it's never your fault and like you know in MMA it has to be your fault like there's nobody else. Yeah, you're in there doing it. Yeah, yeah, man. So. Yeah, that's fucking weird, man. People are just weird. We just do weird shit. You know, I don't... There's no one right way to live this life. That's the thing. That's what pisses me off when people are like, this is the way, and I know it for a fact, and you have to do what I do because this is... It's like, fuck, dude. Is it, though? There's a lot of different ways to do shit. There's so many different people. Like, everybody's going to be different. There's so many different people. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, even, you know, when you go to a... You ever go to a different state, you know, different city or whatever, and you just look around and like look, uh, like how different the people are, mm-hmm. and like how d- everything operates differently, and it's just like I could have grown up here and been a completely different person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the thing is, you know, you could you could have ended up anywhere, anywhere in the world. It, it, you never know. You could. It's just like the luck of the draw. You could have believed something completely different, looked something completely different, just been exposed to things completely different, just based off the luck of the draw. Like, where were you born? Who were you born to? It's fucking wild, dude. Yeah, that's crazy. It really is. It blows me the fuck away, man. There's just so much variance amongst us all. I think about that a lot in the form of like, um, just in health in general, especially with all the shit going on now. Because for me. You know, as an athlete and a fighter, you know, you kind of have to take your health into your own hands, right? Because, you know, like if you eat something and you go train, you can tell immediately how that's affecting you, Mm -hmm. right? Is it good or bad for you, right? Right. So I've always just taken my health into my own hands. So then whenever, you know, these certain mandates come down and shit and they're like, oh, well, you have to have this or you're supposed to be just like, what are you talking about? Like I've always taken responsibility for my own health, Right. you know what I mean? And to say that... I have to do something that somebody else is doing because maybe it worked for them. Like, how are you, how are you going to say that it's for sure going to work for me? You right. know what I mean? So, yeah, man. Yeah, that was, I was definitely like, when all that was going down, you know, it was very hard. I got a lot of kids in school and stuff, and, you know, for, they're forcing our kids to wear masks. And, I hated that shit. And it's like, you know, there's been a, there was a lot of stu- you know a lot of studies that showed you know that, that it was bad to wear masks because you're just breathing in that breathing the carbon dioxide back in 
like you're you know you're not letting the air get out you're just breathing back in and you know it's just you know it was it was just that was just a hard time to just watch you know my kids have to be forced to wear masks and, yeah you know they're trying to you know they're gonna try to get them which they already obviously they you know they're you're supposed to get so many vaccines to be able to go to school mm-hmm. each grade and things like that um I myself, I don't even, I, you know, I don't even trust all those. Yeah. Um, I had, um, I've seen it personal. My son have a really bad reaction to a vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, so ever since then, I haven't, um, for, you know, I haven't forced my children to get those because my son literally declined after getting a vaccine. Mm. And, um, I I know for a fact that's what caused it. Mm. Um, so now, some... so yeah, so now I, you know, like my youngest child, he hasn't had any vaccine. Okay. Um, so we yeah we went after that like we went big against it. So like you know they tell you in Missouri that you know you have to uh, you know have all these vaccines for your kid to go to school. Mm-hmm. They say it's a law, but it's not a law. Yeah, you can get exemptions. Yeah, you yeah. just you got you can use you can have, you know, certain doctors or whatever write you a religious exemption because, you know, there's certain things in the vaccines mm-hmm. that you know right doesn't you know could go against your morals and things like that. Yeah. Well, that was so that's what's so annoying about just this whole like term that they're using like anti-vaxxer, where, to your point, you know. While we do have a pretty good idea on a lot of these things, nobody knows for sure, and everybody's different. Some people are going to have bad reactions, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And also, how can we always trust what's in these things all the time? So from, like, a vaccine standpoint from kids, I think about it, like, with my kids. And, and like, my wife and I, we're, we're planning to have another one, and I – um like we'll probably do we'll we'll do vaccines, but we're gonna, we're definitely gonna do a different schedule now that right. I know what I know. There's a lot because you don't know how you're gonna react. Well, there's the a idea lot. of going in there and giving your kid two, three, four shots. No, fuck that. All we're, at once. We're gonna do like one, and then I'll come back here in like a couple weeks. Yeah, we're just, just gonna see me a lot. Like when we were kids, I want to say there was like twelve vaccines we got. I can't remember the exact numbers, but I've done a lot of research on this stuff. Mm-hmm. But like when we were growing up, I think we got like twelve. It's like three or four times that now. Mm-hmm. Like they're giving. You know, three, four, every, you know, three to six months until they're, you know, grown. Yeah, they're like, there's a lot. And, you know, after, like I said, after seeing, you know, my son has a bad reaction, I just didn't trust it. Like, like you said, everybody's different. Um, And there's also, you know, statistics that it affects African-Americans. Like, a lot more African-Americans have bad reactions than others. Um, Also... You know, there's been things in the past, like the Tuskegee thing. Like, it's like if they did that back then, you know, like we don't know until later. The government will experiment on you. We don't know until later. There's been they've done a crazy amount of experiments. You know, All there's MK here Ultra. In Saint, here in St. Louis, they've done that. I mean, they were spraying stuff over North City and stuff. Like, yeah, so they they do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. Yeah, I just. Yeah, I just don't want to be an experiment. Also, like, you can't, it's not one size fits all. Right. I don't care, like, like, I don't care if, like, if you want to get vaccines or whatever, but I don't understand why you want to make me get vaccines. Because if you believe they protect you, then you should be protected. Well, what about the fact that a majority of the people who are kind of pushing back towards, like, the, like, this one particular one, 
we all, I mean, I have all my vaccines and like my kids were vaccinated for school. Like we're just talking about one thing, one thing only. And then now it's, it's like this, this whole propaganda of where you just lump everybody into one, one group. And it just seems weird. You know what I mean? Like you can't have, you you can't have a nuanced conversation. Like, why can't we just talk about it? You know, like why are words, since when did words become dangerous and harmful? What happened to like sticks and stones may break my bones, but words never hurt me. Right. It's like even words that aren't attacking a person will hurt somebody. And it's like, oh, we can't have this conversation. Like, what the fuck is this La La Land? What, what kind of world are we living is this reality yeah it almost just seemed like a big like almost marketing thing like you know it's it's almost just like you know when somebody goes into business they're like all right say you're going into business or like you're you're selling your shirts or whatever and you're like i think this many people will buy my shirts and so you get so many made you know expecting so many people and it's almost like i feel like they thought you know just make this many vaccines because this many people need them. And then when everybody's not getting them that they want to, they're pushing, pushing, pushing because they got to make their money back. They got to make their money. Mm-hmm. Like they, co- you know, it costs money to make them. Like they got to make their money back. So yeah. that's, that's why I feel like it was pushing, pushing, pushing. Like it's, it's just another, like, again, it's just another business. It's all about money, right? It just comes down to who's getting the money. Yeah, man. Dude, we've gotten we've gotten tests in the mail. I'm like, well, why the fuck are we keeping tests in the mail? Why are you mailing us tests? Who's paying for these fucking tests? Like, where, like what is this shit happening? Like, they're just sitting in the closet. Like, I'm not going to use these. What the fuck are these here for? Yeah. It's money, 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 money. Yeah. Damn, so it's about, it's like. Money's not real, bro. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> you ever think about that? Yeah. It's, it's just it's, this arbitrary thing in a electrical bank account like yeah it's it's so weird i like you know i have to go and give my time away to do something i don't necessarily love to in order to take care of myself and my family yeah like i get it like i'm not saying it's a bad thing for people to um be you know productive members of society because you know we definitely all need to do something in order to contribute Mm -hmm. um but it's just it's, you know, sometimes I just sit back and think, cause, you know, it's a very weird system. Yeah. Um, you know, to try to work your way up, whichever way, whatever you do, um, to try to work your way up and be, you know, gain more respect from people by making more money. Yeah. Um, I I play so as an entrepreneur and like as a guy, like I've grown up, I've been poor like my whole, like very broke. I always, I always try to differentiate between poor and broke, like being broke, like you just don't have money, but like poor is a mindset. Mm-hmm. So like, like growing up bo- like broke, like my family's never really had money. Like I've never had money. So always kind of like chasing that money, that respect, right? There's just a lot of like, there's a lot of validation that comes from <clears throat> having money, right? The way people view you, the way, for me, the way I view myself. So as I'm trying to build this comp like this company and and do these things, it's very easy to attach a lot of my self worth to how much money I'm making, even though like, for, like right now I'm building something and I think there's value there and, I, and people people will tell me I'm doing something but I don't I'm not making the money to reflect the things that I'm doing so it doesn't feel like I'm adding value or actually doing anything so it's just this weird thing I'm trying to recalibrate the way I look at it because it's just this weird thing where we place so much value on money and it for me anyway I I, I really equate my self-worth to my bank account 
And it's fucking it's it's a big mind fuck because one I do want to make money and there's just so many great things that come along with that, but on that same note, like maybe as I'm realizing that, you know, it's not the ultimate thing. Like it's great and you want to have it, but like as you're you're building things, I think I'm just trying to keep in perspective of where you know the money will come and maybe it's not there in the beginning but that doesn't mean like the value still isn't there right. i just watched this um this show it's on hbo it's called showtime about magic johnson and the lakers like mm-hmm. the, that whole era in the 80s and mm-hmm. the first season basically is just like season one so it's like the guy doctor i think it's dr jerry bus he uh he bought the lakers but you know he bought the lakers and he didn't even have the fucking money dude and he's doing all of these things, and he basically built this great dynasty through the 80s. But in the beginning, it was it's, it was really this whole fake it till you make it type deal. You know, like the guy had money to a degree, and he, you know, had status, status and stuff like that. But, you know, on the outside, it's like, oh, he owns the Lakers, and they're doing this, and they're doing that. And he's kind of presenting this show. But meanwhile, he's completely stressed the fuck out. He's... Everything has to work out because if this season doesn't work, then bankruptcy, All he loses everything type shit. You know, he probably only has, which for me would be great, but for him, he probably only had like two or three grand in the bank account. It's like you just won the NBA champion. You just paid out millions of dollars for this season. You probably only have a few grand in the bank account. So it's like to the outside world, he's successful. He's crushing it. He's doing this stuff. But to him in that moment – it's like, man, I only have a few grand in the bank, but nobody fucking knows that. You know what right. I mean? It's like that whole kind of like faking it to your, like doing the thing, still putting the front there just yeah. in hopes that it's going to work because the value is still there. It's just the money hasn't came yet. Yeah, it's, you, almost, it's almost like trying to be a fighter or like, you know, it, it's like, you know, you said fake it till you make it. Like, it's, about like I like again I go back to respect because um, you're basically trying to get some people to respect you so that they want to work with you. Mm-hmm. Like I want to be nobody. For instance, as a fighter, you know you're trying to get sponsors mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, you gotta you know you gotta have so much respect before people mm-hmm. want to work with you. Right. And kind of like the same thing you were saying. Like he didn't have any money yet, but. He had the respect where people were like, oh, look what he's done. Mm-hmm. I, I, now I want to work with that guy. So it's like you may not have the money yet, but if you're gaining respect, gaining respect, gaining respect, eventually the outside look is going to be like, we got to work with that guy because look at what he's doing. Yeah. Well, and also he had a, like, even though, like, he knew his real situation financially, right? But it's like, that doesn't mean everybody else knows. So you still put your best foot forward, right? And you still present yourself like you are successful and you still do the things, yeah. even though you may not be feeling so confident. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just because you feel that way, it doesn't necessarily mean other – like most people else probably won't feel that way about you. You know what I mean? Like we're our – like I think of it – I'm my own worst critic. Mm-hmm. You probably are too. You're probably super hard on yourself, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like, how many times have you somebody said like, "Yeah, man, you did really good on this," or "Man, I see you fucking working. You're doing this," and then in your mind, you're like, "Really? Like, I didn't think that was shit," or like, "I'm, I'm probably not working hard enough," or like, you say all these mean things to yourself. Mm-hmm. But I think our own perception can be way off than reality sometimes, or maybe just different than what everybody else perceives. So it's like, it's still presenting yourself as if you are that thing. 
even though maybe you don't feel that way or even though maybe your bank account doesn't reflect that and so you don't feel that way you know what i mean and yeah. this is just how i feel yeah. personally it's like man that's and that's what you know that's what i feel like is a really good skill that some people do like a lot of successful it seems like they're do. always happy you know you meet the guy the successful guy and he's just smiling like he's shaking hands he's yeah. happy and it's just like <laughs> my wife tells me all the time cuz you know I'm I'm kind of like a you know I don't go hang out like or anything like that I'm kind of almost like a little like almost like a loner like yeah same or you know so and then sometimes you know I wonder like I'll talk to my wife and wonder like we go back to the respect thing like why like I'm feel like I'm doing good like but why don't these guys see what I'm doing um, you know mm. why or like why do I feel like th- why do I feel like they don't like me. Like, why do I feel like they don't want to be friends with me? Or, for instance, say I would go to jiu-jitsu and everybody's scared. Like, we're going to hang out tonight. We're going to do this. And, you know, I almost kind of felt would feel left out. And then my wife told me one day, she's like, it's because of you. Like, the way, because you're sitting there thinking that and you're not really, like, the the vibe you're pitting off. Like, you're not approachable. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I, I'm thinking they, that, that, you know, people just don't like me, but it's because of the vibe I'm pitting off. Yeah. It's because I'm pitting off a vibe. My, You know, she tells me I just kind of, my wife tells me I kind of look like an asshole sometimes. Like, like a resting bitch face? Yeah, I, like, I, I just, I have, like, I, like, I just have an asshole face. And yeah. so, you know, uh, so then I'm thinking, you know, these people just don't like me, but it's because of me. Yeah, it's like, like your own perception they, of and the they, And they do, like, they do like me and respect me and think I'm a good fighter and things like this. And But, you know, it, does, it never gets to that point because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not... You're, like, putting yourself out there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just pitting in work and doing me and thinking, like, you know, these people should want to be friends with me <laughs> like like you're hoping like the things that you're because dude i so like i suffer from that too like i feel like i can relate to that it's like you feel like you're doing the things so like like if you just focus on you and, and maybe not seem like too anxious too eager yeah you know like like then like you're too weird or too forthcoming yeah. then they'll kind of come to you and then it'll just and i think that's kind of be natural i think that's from my teenagers because uh so like you know, I it's not you, cool I grew, to be excited a, or like people well, I grew, as a kid I grew either. up in a well, but when I but I, when I was a kid, I kind of was over, like not looking back. I didn't know this then, but looking back, um, I would over pursue people like friends and stuff like. And I think it's because, you know, like I said, I I grew up in a single mom. Mm-hmm. Fa- I didn't have that father figure in my household. Yeah. So it's like I was trying to hang out with these older guys, and then I would get, like sometimes I remember I would get mad at people not wanting to hang out with me. Oh yeah, and things like that, and then like it was almost like people would start to think like this, you know, this guy's crazy because so you don't want to feel he like wants to he like almost like I felt like I needed to always have someone around me, I guess. Right. And then when I I started to notice that how like how I was doing that, and then I felt like a dumbass for it. So like then I switched to the complete opposite to where I, I wasn't trying to talk to people at all. Right. Yeah, because you don't want to you don't want to come off as needy. Or doing too much, and you know, and then also there's that like you don't want to be rejected, so it's like fuck it, I'll just do me, and then just do that. Yeah, yeah I can and understand then, that. Yeah, and so then it's just like a, but yeah, when she said that to me and just told me like it's because you like look like you don't want to talk to them. Yeah, I try to like I can't remember what I was watching the other day or 
because I'm just always thinking about my brain because the way in which I try to act now is different than whenever I was a fighter because as a fighter a lot of it's about you and a lot of it is like solo and just in your head and there's so much to fight in and you know you don't want to be like that overtly like super nice go out fuck because like you're trying to fucking fight people you know what I mean yeah. so there's just kind of that dichotomy so as a result a lot of times you know I'd just be focused on me and and um I'd go into the gym and it's like I'm not trying to fucking talk to anybody because i'm here to train like this is just my time to kind of be in my head and train and kind of mm. work things out and like this is my time but now it's like man like i'm trying to do these more social things i'm doing podcasting trying to build a business and be more social and stuff so i'm trying to change some of those ways and um it can definitely be difficult right because as i'm trying to study these people who are successful and the people who i want to be at or be like Again, I can't remember what it was, but it was I was listening to something, but it was like, think of the people who you admire the most or the people who are successful. Like, what are some of the traits that they have? And, like, you just listen to some of them. They're usually, like, outgoing and friendly and funny and charismatic. and all talk to everybody. Right? But that might not be a natural thing for those people. You know what I mean? So it's like those things that you have to work on and consciously right, be like aware of. Everything comes with repetition. Yeah, and just push yourself out there and just kind of push yourself forward, which kind of all plays back into, you know, kind of faking it till you're making it or like mm -hmm. doing the thing despite how you feel so yeah man it's definitely a learning process and growth i just realized how many successful people are really actually they don't really have as much money in the bank as you think they do and they're actually always on the brink of failure like you just have i read this book this is called shoe dog by phil knight who started nike and dude nike was one of the biggest fucking brands and they were crushing it and they were in all these places but had the lockdown happen, like in 2020, any time in the 90s or the 80s, Nike wouldn't fucking be here. Right. Because they, they were, the way they were doing it is like they were taking massive loans and they're buying inventory and they're selling the inventory and they're paying back the loan and then they take another loan. Everything back in, right. Exactly. Boom, boom. So as a business, like once you get to a certain level, you know, banks, that's not that's not a, a, a secure financial situation. Like they don't want to invest in that, but that's just what he kept doing, what he kept doing. And it obviously paid off until they went public. And then now they got all this money and all this shit. But the point is all this time, anybody would have thought Nike was this super uh, established, massive business and had one hiccup happened and they couldn't have paid back something. Nike wouldn't fucking be here so they were always just on a thin line all this time but you would yeah, have never crazy. known it exactly yeah, dude how many businesses are like that dude this, in, how many people are like that how many people do you think have their shit together or are crushing it or whatever the case may be but you really have no idea or yeah, like they're literally you, just like you how long can you live without working like and then like when you think about it that way like you know when people retire when someone retires they have enough money to last them until they think they're going to die yeah like you know most people like me you know I'm living you know we're living paycheck to paycheck and it's like if I stop working in 3 weeks I'm not going to have any money right and so it's like everyone's on the brink anyway so I guess if you're running a business at least you're still pursuing it and like pushing for it, even if you're on the brink too. Like if you're, you know, on the line of failing, you know, at least, yeah, at least yeah. you're still going for it. Yeah, man, we all just got. I guess my only, I guess, t I guess the original point is, it's like I guess as long as we're pursuing something of like meaning to us and yeah. something that we can be passionate about and find purpose in, even if the money isn't always there, I think that's still a worthy pursuit. Yeah. It's definitely a worthy pursuit to me because, you know, like, 
I definitely want to be successful in fighting and one day like open my own gym and you know like you know there's no money in fighting and things like that um but at the same time at least I'm I'm pursuing something like I'm not gonna quit and I'm showing my children that like I'm showing my children that you know I'm gonna pursue so even if I work hard my whole life and I don't make it but I show my kids like that work ethic and like you know, chasing your dreams and like working for what you want and doing what you love. Yeah. Um, at least um, you know, putting a good seed in their head. Yeah, man. I mean you're leading by example, dude. Yeah. I mean shit. Sometimes I wonder if as much as I want to be, you know, that most like that really successful person, that dude who who's really like crushing it and enjoying all the fruits of the labor, sometimes I wonder it's like, man, is my place in this path of it's like man my parents like my mom was she had me a month before her 18th birthday and my dad had me i guess a couple months before he turned 17. so it's like man was my path maybe just to to maybe make some of the more like some of the mistakes and and walk the harder path so then that way you know like my kids in that next generation yeah i was just thinking about that you know it's like maybe they'll be the ones who are trying to they'll crush it the way i'm trying to crush it yeah, the kids like you know the kids I that you know I grew up with, went to school with that are you know really successful and things they do now. You know their parents were already you know working really hard. I'm not saying my mom wasn't working really hard, but it was. But just their hard parents for are kind of like in the place of where you are now, right? Exactly. Right. It's like I'm in the place of where my friends' parents were, exactly. and then now they're so it's like it's, it's just starting to get there. Like we're you know we're in the we're going in the right direction, right? Like it's a stepping stone. Even if I'm you know even if I just you know. Even if I'm not super successful, because honestly, like fighting, me fighting, when I first started it, my thought process was like, I need to make a lot of, I want to make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not really about the money for me. Like, it's like, it's about the respect. And don't get me wrong, I want to be comfortable. Like, I want to be to where I don't have to worry about my bills and, right. you know, worry about food, where, you know, worry about anything. If my, you know, I want to be able to buy all my children cars. I want to set the, you know, mm-hmm. I want to be able to do what I need to do. But at the same time, I don't know. I don't have like the super like business aspirations. Like I don't, I just feel like it's to me when I think about that. And I, if I'm thinking about, if I look at myself and think of myself in the future, like running some giant business or something and making a lot of money, it like, I don't know. I get anxiety. Like I'm thinking, like I don't. I won't know what to do. Like I don't want to. I don't want all that pressure. Yeah. Like, I just want to fight and make money. Make enough money to be comfortable. Right. And not have to worry. Yeah. That's fair. I think that's what a lot of people want. Just take care of your family. Like do what you be want. Comfortable. Yeah. Do what you love to do. Like I, I don't know. I love. Like I love fighting. Yeah. Like, when you ask people what they enjoy the most, it's usually just like spending the time with the loved ones. Mm-hmm. You know, the the people they care about the most. Yeah. That's what we all kind of just want. We just always want to be healthy and happy and make sure that the and people... And be able to do that. And, like, you want to be able to hang out with your family, you know, hang out with your kids, and not in the back of your head be thinking, like, oh, man, I got that bill coming up. Right. Oh, man, I got, like, you know, the sport to pay for coming up. And I got to figure out how that's going to work out. Right. Like, like imagine how much qual- more quality time you can have if you don't ever have to think about that. Right. Yeah, that's true, man. Then you can sit there and really be in the moment. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, there's a lot of big issues. I think a lot of people can kind of agree that we would like to fix. And, for example, you know, you you look at – so we can use St. Louis as an example because we're right here. You can look at, like, inner cities, such as St. Louis, and you're like, man, why can't – 
we fix some of these areas like why why can't we help this area improve or get better and, and it's like well how can it even if you dump money into it and you fix up an area how can that actually fix anything if you're not actually helping the people kind of get out of this spot of just surviving because if you're just surviving and you're just thinking about the next thing to help you survive how can you ever think about actually living a better life because you're constantly stuck on survival yeah 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 it's It's a tough place to be in yeah definitely it's you know, I you know, I didn't have that much money growing up either, or you know, a single mom. Like my mom worked basically like twelve hour factory job, mm. so she was gone half the time. And you know, look like looking back, and you know, it was always a struggle. Like I played all the sports, but like you know, I didn't know if I was gonna be able to get new cleats. Right. Or like I, you know, so then like hitting that worry like it's not like your parents are trying to put that worry on you but you see it like yeah you see that like you see that your mom you know can't afford it and she wants to be able to get it for you yeah because she knows you need it but she just can't that's a shitty feeling yeah when you're a kid and you're around a whole bunch of people and who... then they yeah and then all your friends are getting you know mm-hmm. you know they got their parents are yeah. well off so they you know they're getting everything and yeah everything they need um, you know, the parents are at every game. Yeah. And kids know. don't have perspective either. You're just like, well, I have this, so why don't you have that? You just think that things are just the way they are. Right. You don't really have the perspective of other people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think about that. Um, I think about some, you know, like my best friend growing up, you know, we spent, I spent a lot of time at his house. And at the time, I didn't realize it, but like, he wasn't in like the best home situation. Like he had a nice house and um, like, you know, it was like middle class, but it was like, I go over there and his, his parents were never around. Like, you know, his dad would work nights, so he'd like sleep all day. And like the mom was kind of working or whenever she was at home, she was kind of sleeping. And it turns out, you know, they kind of had some substance issues. And mm-hmm. it's like, man, you don't really, as a kid, you don't really, you can't put the whole picture together. Yeah, it's like not even weird. really possible. So you don't even know what someone's situation is. You know, I was at this kid's house almost every fucking day it's like my brother and it's like i had no idea but now as an adult looking back on it, i'm like oh fuck yeah he spent the yeah. we were alone a lot there wasn't a lot of supervision you know his parents like fuck whoa yeah. that's how that's definitely how uh, my house was and, and it just seems cool as a kid yeah you're like oh i'm a kid I'm, i do my own thing yeah and, I, and it's like you know sometimes you don't even know like i didn't even understand my own situation right like, i didn't understand how broke we, like i didn't know you know how much money people had right or how much money people other people made because that's just normal yeah i just knew what i had and yeah. i thought i thought basically everybody was you know not not necessarily but you know for the most part i'm like everybody's mostly living paycheck to paycheck right you like, understand that like everybody's kind of broke like that's kind of just how i felt because that you know that's just how i grew up but mm-hmm. it's just you know i didn't even understand or like kids would go eat after school and stuff like it was just yeah and it was just like why can't i you know why can't i do that like right why can't I? and then it's almost you know that those then those people click up you know so like and then that's why you know when you're not you don't have the money to hang out with those type of people then you start you know hanging around mm-hmm. bad influences and things like that right it's a vicious cycle mm-hmm. i was watching this comedy special with um 
fuck, what is his name? You know Gary Owen? Mm-hmm. He's a white comedian. Um, but he, I, I used to watch him back in the day on Comic View. But he, he's really known like, like, like the black comic circle. But either way, he was talking about um, his mom and like she wasn't a good mom. And he so like when he was like real real young, like he had to kind of do everything for himself. And he was kind of telling this joke of um, when he was at school and all his friends were getting out their lunches and shit. He was just like he was like, damn man, it's like you woke up early and you made your own lunch. He's like, damn, you know. He's like, and the kid was like, no man, my mom made that. He's like, man, your mom didn't make that. Moms don't make lunches, dog. Like, what are you talking about, bro? Because <laughs> his mom never made him lunches. So in his mind, it's like moms don't do that. What are you talking about? Your mom's making lunch. It was mm. it was a really funny joke. But the point is, you know, when you're a kid and you're just things are normal, you don't realize. You just think everybody's doing yeah. the same thing. And I I I definitely feel that because like like I said, my mom she worked like factory jobs and stuff like that. So. You know, most of the time I was making my own food. Mm. From the time I can remember, I was always making my own food. Like, my mom didn't really cook that much. Mm. So, yeah, it's just, it's crazy how people can just grow up in completely different situations. And then, you know, we make it to adulthood and then we got to figure it out. Or I definitely had to figure it out because I didn't have that father figure. And so, like, my mom... I didn't know, like, my mom did a really good job at kind of hiding it, I guess, but, you know, she had some substance abuse and stuff like that. I didn't really know. I didn't really pay attention, though. Right. Like, I didn't, um, so, I don't remember what I was going to say. We were just kind of talking about, you know, like, in your kid, you just don't have the perspective, like, what's happening around you, and, you know, I admit, right. yeah, you know. Yeah, I didn't even know. You think you what's know, normal with your parents is... Yeah, I didn't even, for everybody. Yeah, I didn't even know, you know, that my mom was going through these things. Right. Or that my mom, um, you know, she had to be, she was on like psych meds and stuff like that because of the things she was dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, How could you? Right. Kids are narcissists. It's just by nature. Like when you're a kid, you only have the perspective of you and everything is like you, you growing up and all this shit. And it's hard to have the perspective of somebody else's life, yeah. especially your parents. Yeah. That's weird. It's weird to see your parents as a human. It's yeah. like, damn, they're just like me. I'm trying to convey that to my son. Like, dude, I am, like, the circumstances are different and the world is different, but it's like I am a person just like you, and I was also once 13, and the only difference between me and you is just some years. I'm still just trying to figure this out. I don't I don't have it all figured out. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's weird, though. My son said something to me like, uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was it was something to the effect of like he didn't realize that like I get stressed or something because like I never I don't ever show him I'm stressed or complain to him about adult problems or you know tell him about that kind of shit. So in his mind, he just probably assumes that I don't deal with those kind of things or you know like it's I'm immune to it or something. So I'm trying to like find the balance of like how much I share with him because I I definitely don't want him to feel or either one of my kids, but you don't want them to feel like you're alone or that like me as a, as a, as an adult or as a person, I haven't also maybe experienced these things or I don't, like I want you to understand that I do have some understanding. Like you're not alone in this situation of life, but it's just hard, man, because as an adult, like you can't let kids know everything and how can they even understand? Yeah. It's, it's definitely weird. You're like, not thinking of it as a kid. Uh-uh. You're just, like you say, you're just thinking about what you got going on. Yeah, man. To a certain point, it could, it's just usually friends and fun. Yeah. Like, friends and fun. That's all you're trying to do. Yeah. 
And then, oh, so I know what I was saying. Uh, like I was saying, I had to, you know, kind of figure everything out. Um, so my mom, she, uh, you know, she was going through her own things, and uh, I was being a bad kid. So like at seventeen, you know, she kicked me out, mm. and um, so I kind of had to kind of figure out how to be adult on my own, like for the most part, um, and. Like it took a while, <laughs> you know. So, so it's like now, you know, I didn't look, I didn't realize how much it affected me not having, you know, father figure in my house or how much my mom was going. But now that I, like, you know, when you get to about mid twenties, all this, everything starts hitting you pretty hard. You're like, oh man, yeah, like this, everything's not going good. I don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm broke. Like mm-hmm. it just seems that you know you got a lot of stress, and then you know i had to kind of figure out how to be an adult on my own but now i like aimed like you said we're in the position of our friends parents used to be in yeah. so it's like now you know we have to be that structure for our children so. yeah dude that's the thing man you know we're told we're adults when we're 18 and we're kind of given all this responsibility you can join the military you can vote and all this shit but dude your brain isn't even fully developed. Your prefrontal cortex is not There's fully until de- you're 25, yeah. right around 25. So to your point, I've heard this time and time again. I can think in my own life. I've seen it with my little brother. Like I have two little brothers I grew up with. I say I grew up with because I have other siblings from like my real dad too. Um, I'm not like I have them, but I didn't grow up with them. Right, correct. So my 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 one brother, he's, uh, he's, he's your age. He's 29. You were born in 93? 92 yeah. 92 29, yeah. 20, yeah so he's he's um he's born in 93 so he just turned 29 um and he was a wild fucking child and somewhere around 25 26 he started calming the fuck down and just really becoming like a grown man and then now he's you would never even know who the fuck he is today and you see that time and time again right like once you hit mid 20s yeah you Everything starts clicking. You start thinking clear. You start calming down. So it's like a weird thing where we push these kids out into the world, and we're like, you're adults, but your brain isn't fully developed. You're super volatile. You make terrible decisions. You don't Mm -hmm. think things through Um, up until usually right around 20s, and there's always exceptions, but right around mid-20s, you're extremely selfish. Mm -hmm. You can't even put yourself in the perspective of other people just because you don't have the ability. You know what I mean? So. It's like you're an adult, and then now you're. It's it's weird because I think you should be held. You're you're never free from consequences of your decisions or the things that you say. Like you have to be held accountable for your actions. But on the same note, I think we hold people almost too accountable when they're really young. It's like you're 18. The most dangerous people on the streets are like young men between like 16 and 27, mm-hmm. 24, really. Like, because th- you have hormones and you have ego and test, and like you just want to go fuck shit up, and mm. your brain is not fully <laughs> developed. So it's like you see young kids who are like not in good situations and they're really surviving and they make bad decisions, yeah, and then it's like, the and then now it's your whole fucking life. Maybe you got arrested or something when you're in your oh, early twenties, and now you're a, a convict. A, your whole life, you can't vote, you can't get jobs. You're just you're a slave, is what you are, yeah. and then. What about people who were young and violent and then now they're in like their 40s and they're, they're still acting like they're these young, violent kids? It's like, no. I don't understand. It's like, so weird. See, Where's the like, redemption? Or you see kids you went to school with and it's like 
they're still just like you know selling weed on Facebook and like yeah some people posting get stuck. Their, posting themselves riding around like we're thirty and we're, you're posting yourself riding around in your car smoking weed and yeah like, some people get stuck yeah and it's like it's just for like a culture thing people get caught in like living like they want to live like other people they want to be seen by other people like they're living the same as them it's just so weird like I you know I fell into it for a while as a kid and like I just had like a wake up call one day like. I was just, I just woke up one day and was like, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing, like, why am I living like this? Like, this is not right. Yeah. Like, I was, you know, I was, I was the same way, you know. I grew up, thought I was tough, you know, got into, like, selling weed and, you know, thinking, like, I'm like a thug and things like that. And, like, it's literally, I was just influenced by, like, culture and the music I was listening to. Right. Like, literally, just the music. I listen, you listen to music as a teenager, and then you want to be like that. You want to think it's cool. Yeah. Like, you listen to rappers and stuff, and, like, oh, I want to be, like, a rapper. I want to, I wanna, you know, party and do drugs and, yeah. you know. And, like, I, you know, I fell into that, and, like, I, you know, it just... It's just when and then I look when looking back at that, it's just like crazy. Like yeah. I can't even believe I was that person. Well, the grass is always greener, right? And yeah. it's like the thing that you don't know or you don't see is always super attractive. And also, how many young kids always want to? How many kids do you know who, when they were young, wanted to kind of be gangsters, and then mm-hmm. they all grow up, and then they just kind of become themselves. And yeah. usually, it's like a. It, probably in that area, it's it's usually like a lot of rural guys. Like that, you start, you 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 get you go you go away from the wigger days. Everybody wanted to be gangsters. Yeah, like, every, you, like everybody, everybody. Yeah, was and then now you start wearing clothes that fit. You start wearing your boots. You start just kind of you know connecting with your country roots. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's, yeah, that's definitely me. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely me. Yeah, bro. But uh, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm glad I you know I I finally seen things the other way and like. And change around, and you know, yeah, can be a good father figure for my kids. Love it, dude. Well, man, you're on the path, bro. You're on the path. All right, Keith, it's been two hours, buddy. Oh man, for real. Yeah, bro. Yeah, let's (laughs) wrap it up. Um, what's coming up? Is there anything you want to tell the people about? I know you got a fight coming up. Is there any way people can check you out? Yeah, um, I have a fight coming up. Um, we're four weeks out from tomorrow. Um, June eighteenth. Uh, fight hard MMA. I'm the co-main event. Um, that be in Springfield. It's in uh in uh Pittsburgh, Kansas. Oh, Kansas, it's tight. Kansas, yeah, so. I know. I know Zach Cummings is kind of bringing. Yeah, that so yeah. Zach Cummings and Chris Gregory. Uh, Chris is actually my manager. Okay. Um, so he, I think he part own, or he owns or part owns a promotion. Oh, nice. Now or something. That'd be good for you. Yeah. So uh, I'm co-main event. I'm fighting. Uh, uh Nathan I'm trying to pronounce it Nathan Strombersky. Okay. He uh he's a coach. Uh you know, Springfield Fight Club. I don't uh, so like I haven't been able to find like the most like a whole lot on him. But from my understanding, he's a, one of the coaches at Springfield Fight Club. Okay. So you know they got they've got quite a good few uh fighters. Yeah, so it should be a so, good fight for you. Yeah, he's making his pro debut, but um I want to he's like uh, forty or close to forty. Okay. Um, but he's a black belt. Lots of experience. Practicing. Black. He's a black belt. Um, from fights I can see, he hasn't fought in years. Right. But he has fought before. This is gonna be his pro debut. Right. But does he like compete jujitsu and stuff like that? Yeah. yeah so, so he, I mean, he he's, competes. He's a black belt in jujitsu. Yeah. Um, so you know what he's probably gonna want to do. Yeah. Uh, 
So, you know, and it, he's 40, but, like, you know, you can't really look into that too much anymore. No. Like, you see these 43-year-olds beating people up in the UFC. Yeah, so. don't take anybody like I'm it. not, yeah, you yeah. can't be like, oh, he's 40, so... Uh, then yeah, then I'm you just got beat up by a forty-year-old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm definitely taking taking it super serious. I'm training super hard. Um, but yeah, uh, June eighteenth, fight hard, come in event. Um, Dope. Socials? What are your socials? Uh, the sleep uh, on Facebook, uh, just Keith Dawson. Um, I spell my name K E Y T H. Um, on uh, Instagram, it's the Sleeper MMA. Dope. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, man. Keith, my man. Thanks again, dude. Yeah, dude. Appreciate right. you having me on. Yeah, man. All right, everybody. Next time. See ya. Bye. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I know I did. As always, if you're getting value, just do me a favor. Tell a friend. Bring us a new friend for the next episode. I will be eternally grateful if you do. That's all I have, though. Just keep being rad humans. We'll be back very soon with another conversation. I'll catch you next time. Love you. Bye. Mwah.